listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Fantastic Four. My name is Tom Chip, and to discuss Fantastic Four, I have recruited the fantastic Christian Malawski. Uh, that's fine. I, I just want to say that I do not prefer Susan. And the equally fantastic Taiwan with a Fantastic Four tagline. <sighs> Marvel's 12th most popular supergroup and their third most popular reboot. <laughs> oh, Kelly Wan, he's math. Very nice. Do you have a runner-up tagline, Kelly Wan, in case that one gets rejected, like maybe Josh Trank doesn't like it or the studio doesn't want it? Uh, he's a tough room. Yeah. Um, Fox makes Sony look like A24. It's a little obscure. I like it. It would play for certain crowds. Do you have anything that might be uh, another backup, just in case that one is a little too obscure? This movie's true to the source material. It stretches credibility, would look better if it were invisible, tastes like orange bricks, and I wish it was on fire. <laughs> I like that one. Very good, Kelly Wand. See? We can fit that on a poster. Let's go with that one. I know by the third one, your standards have gone up, just like uh, Spider-Man's. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, <laughs> do you have for us this week an, an IMDb plot synopsis that you can read that me and Dingus can try to guess what movie it's from? Yes, you have to name the year, too. That's no, I'm not going to be able to do that. Dingus might be good I think at you, that. But. Well, yeah. Dingus <laughs> is pretty good at that. Let's find out. That's a good point. Uh, in this Marvel comic adaption, <laughs> already, four astronauts get bombarded with cosmic rays. Fantastic Four 2005. Wrong. Shoot. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer 2008. Wrong. No, it's the, it's Fantastic Four, but it's uh, 2006? No. What? You think they're rebooted that soon? Well, yeah, they, they tend to do that. That's true. And look what happens. So yeah. wait, you were just doing the original, the, the earlier, the Tim Story Fantastic Four. No. 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 If it's four astronauts getting bombarded with something, it's a Fantastic Four movie. Oh, Space Cowboys. The four of them acquire special powers and decide to form a superhero group called the Fantastic Four. <laughs> they then fight their arch enemy, Doctor Doom. Is there, was there a Fantastic Four preceding the last? Yes. Oh, wow. Going back. Oh, 1967. Oh, 1994. It was a Roger Corman one. How did yeah. Roger Corman get the right? I guess Marvel didn't care at that point. They would probably just. The fact that Fox has them suggests a lot of shenanigans. Right. Look what 1994. Was anyone famous yeah. in Kelly Wand? Uh, I was gonna say Matt Salinger, the son of J.D. Salinger, but he was Captain America. Is that a true fact you just gave us? The J.D. Salinger's said, son played Captain America in some cheesy movie adaptation. Is that true? Of Captain America in the 90s, yes. Wow. And, Fantastic Four thing's true, too, but it was made... It was one of those movies where they make it just to lose money on it, like the producers, and then... Um, so nobody <laughs> saw it. But I remember the previews for it. So I was curious if you guys had watched it, because you watched stupid things. You know? I watch stupid things, but not stupid comic book things. But my, my, my particular wheelhouse for stupid things tends to be like horror or thrillers, uh, things like that. I don't do stupid comic book movies for the most part. Did Pierre yes, Salinger play? Doc, uh, did Pierre Salinger play Agent Carter? <laughs> I prefer monster movies without superpowered heroes. Just the monster. That's how you decide. Dingus, I don't know if he was making fun of you or me with that one. Yes, that was you. Oh, that was me. Of course, I should have known. No, who uh, am I talking to? 
you don't know. So neither of us won the IMDb synopsis uh, this week, I'm afraid. We're both a couple it, of losers. It was kind of a trick question. It was, wasn't it? And you got us. Very good, Kelly Wan. You, you, it was like a golem riddle. Yeah, you sprung the trap. You got both of us. Uh, well done. Well, Very satisfying feeling. Now that we're both failures, Dingus, why don't you, uh, speaking of failures, why don't you segue over to what movies we saw, what movie we saw this week? All right, well, this week we saw Fantastic Four. Mm. Or as the poster calls it, Fanforstic. A 2015 American action-adventure sci-fi superhero drama reboot movie about the history of teleportation. It was was the day we fight back. There's many days we fight back, Kelly. Oh, but teleportation has but one history. But it's hard to find it. And hard to get it back. It was directed by Josh Trank and written by him with Simon Kinberg and Jeremy Slater, based on characters created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. It stars Jamie Bell, Kate Mara, Toby Kebbell, or is it Kebbell? I think it's Kebbell. Yeah, I think it's Kebbell, like what you would feed a dog. Uh, Reg E. Cathy, Michael B. Jordan, and Miles Teller. Fantastic Four is rated. What just happened? Not... Kelly Wan just let out a, a little rowl for uh, Miles Teller. Wow. That's, that's not the one one, though. That's impressive. Uh, Fantastic Four is rated PG 13 for sci fi action violence and language. Uh. Fantastic Four is uh, not doing well critically on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the uh, percentage of reviews that are positive. It is at eight. On wow, Metacritic, so it's double the number of the members. Yeah. Did you say it was at eight? Eight. Yeah, single digit. Wait, that's lower than Pixels. Is it? I was not aware of that. I thought Pixels was at 20, and that was considered horrifying. No, no, it's definitely uh, – n- nobody can be happy with being at 8 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's at 8? That well, takes Metacritic. The average rating from various reviews on Metacritic is that it is at 27 out of 100. Oh. Yeah. But surely it made a lot of money, right? Uh, at least that much. Nope, $26 million. Ooh. Came in at number two behind Rogue Nation. Uh, I think the studio estimates were like around forty million, so it's fall, <laughs> fallen way below uh, what's estimated. Uh, this is a, a bona fide. Uh, it's definitely tanking. Uh, or tanking. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's nut. Did you come up with that? I, that was on the fly, Kelly Wan. It was Kelly Wan thought of it at the same time, so I can't take credit. All right. Uh, so Kelly Wan, let's see. Uh, why don't you then break down for us the events of Fantastic Four? Uh, maybe give us a, a synopsis, if you will, of the plot of the movie. And if you did such a thing, Kelly Wan, what would it be called? Uh, do you have any theories? Uh, the Fantastic Forpses, of course. That's probably what it should be called. I had um, Fantastic Fapsis, just as a backup, <laughs> just because I wanted to say it once. That works. But yeah, what'd you say? Fantastic Forpses? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, Kelly Wand, you could go with the Fantastic Four plot synopsis. Too formal? For this movie. Let's save that for the Madame Bovary synopsis. All right. Good call. All right, so Kelly Wand, let's hear this. I've been looking forward to this. Fantastic Fopsis. The Marvel comic book page's logo is all, so many memories, huh? By the way, none of these pages is from an issue of Fantastic Four. 
a kid's voice is all. When I grew up, I want to do an off-screen voiceover that sets up another character in a superhero movie that scores 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. But as an adult, the teacher's all, good luck with that, Carl. Isn't that also how Tomorrowland opened, by the way? With the kid's voiceover in class? Yeah. Yeah, Simon Kinberg and David Lindelof have many similarities as craftsmen. No, I think Tomorrowland opens up with George Clooney talking, doesn't it? All right, this is going to scuttle our fun, Kelly. All right, sorry, I don't mean to scuttle your fun. There are a lot of classroom scenes this summer. Like, this is what they were like when they were eight. But anyway, if I may return to my gibberish. Yeah, sorry, we we derailed. Sorry, sorry, go go to your Super 8. When I grow up, I want to do an off-screen voiceover that sets up another character in a superhero movie that scores 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, but as an adult. Uh, Yeah, good luck with that, Carl. Also, sex with supermodels and doing a VO in an X-Men movie would be tight, yo. You know the rules, Carl. Only one wish per speech. Now go to the principal's office and tell them everything, starting with the Marvel logo. Next. <laughs> well, well, Reed Richards, the smartest kid in school. This should be good. All the kids laugh and point. Flash Thompson's all, fuck yeah, Mr. Woodbinder. The 11-year-old Reed's all, uh, I want to be the first person... Oh, uh, let me guess, to impregnate Invisible Woman, just like last week. No, this time it's something that doesn't help humanity. Besides, finding a visible clit's hard enough. If only I could stretch and cover more. Anyway, uh, I want to be the first person to teleport, because I fucking hate walking. God. Although I guess I'd probably hate it even more if I was made of rubber, just hypothetically. All the kids murmur excitedly. Uh, yeah, he would hate himself. That's <laughs> Stretch monster too hard to break. The teacher's all, silence, Mr. Richards, do you have any idea what would happen if a housefly got inside your so-called teleportation thing? Uh, in the Marvel Universe or the Cronenberg Universe? That's the last straw. Richards, principal's office, now, for the rest of the school year. The kids all cheer and throw grenades and Irish piss balloons at Reed's. He mopes off screen. Call back. Although this was set in 71, because he's young. Tom, Mr. Math. The teacher's all, all right, class, settle down. Uh, Mr. Storm, please stop clicking that bick there. Sorry, coach, just cheer you on. I was trying to light my farts here, but my lighter's out of fluid. If only there was a superpower that would come in handy in this scenario. That's Michael B. Jordan talking. Mr. Storm, for the next to last time, this is not a science class. It's a prediction for adulthood class. Now, Mr. Grimm, front and center, what do you want to be when you grow up? And please, nothing dumb. Uh... I want to look like an orange barbecue and have no name. The kids all agree that would be moderately cool. That night, after hating his brother and losing interest in his mother, Ben Grimm goes outside to stare at someone's car. (laughs) (laughs) Reed pokes his head into view from the back seat and goes, Please don't kill me. I'm just here to steal your car's power converter. Ben Grimm's all, Why would anything called a power converter be in the back seat? Reads all. I like you. Let me steal it, and then I'll show you my teleporter thing. Can't you just tell me what it looks like? Uh, like nothing, but with wires. Wow. Or as barbecue sauce makes me like to constantly say, it's slobbering time. Reed takes Ben to a garage with a CG machine in it. Reads all. Here, plug this thing into that slot that says plug that idiot Ben Grimm's power converter in here and hit that switch. Don't worry, it's perfectly safe. Ben Grimm's all. Uh, why are you wearing that hazmat suit and holding your breath and tiptoeing into that bank vault? 
so safe. Just do it, you fucking orange chimney to be. Ben flips the switch. Reads all, please don't blow up, please don't blow up, please don't blow up. Uh, just saying that, Woik. I thought science utilized principles in addition to prayer. Silence, buffoon. Whose power converter is that? Hmm? The machine farts. Around them, all the lights in the city go out. In a living room, TV signals mildly deteriorate briefly. Reed writes in a notebook and goes, hmm, cool, that's three things it does. Hey, Reed, there's some CG rocks just materialized here. Fuck. <laughs> oh, it hurts to talk. I mean, Ben Grimsall, there's some CG rocks just materialized here in this plate. Along with a note that says, uh, hello to you too, Dr. Richards, as a kid, love the negative zone, a.k.a. in this movie, Planet Zero. Ben, come over here a second, would you please uh, bring the stones? God, boy. Uh, ben, are these stones here diamonds? Uh, yeah, in shape, kind of. Then what good are you? Reed kicks over the plate of rocks and starts breaking everything. Why the fuck does everyone keep calling me doctor? Idiots! Some words are all for seven years, even less happens. Then there's this dumbass science fair scene. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up and watch CG. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up and see the teleportation machine of a lifetime. It'll transport CGs so fast you just might lose interest and wander off. Anyone here see Jumper? Same screenwriter. Hey, Reed, my grandpa really needs his straw hat and his game pack. I think he's having a heart attack. I thought I told you to shut the fuck up, Mount Rushmore. Now hand me my model car so I can blow these investors' minds with a plate full of rocks. Model car, fuck hole, chop, chop. Uh. Ben hands him a model in a bikini with a ribbon that says Science Fairer Sex Finalist on it. This is the best I could do on short notice. Reed rolls his eyes and whips Ben till he sets the model down on the stone altar of the teleportation machine. Boom. All right, here we go. What's your name, honey? Never mind. It's about to be Ms. Famous Senior, thanks to me and the laws of physics. But mostly me. Guess you could say I'm the lawyer of physics. Now, does anyone here have a quarter to put in the slot? My idiotic assistant here forgot to bring any. No, I got a bunch here, Reed. I made this one myself. God, fucking shut up! Reed knocks the coins out of his hands, grabs Neil deGrasse Tyson's wallet out of his pocket, takes a coin out and drops it into the teleportation machine. Reed's all, ladies and gentlemen, hold on to each other's parts. I give you the future of movement. He hits a button. The model explodes, the roof falls in, and the machine turns into a trash can full of pictures of Reed shaking his fist at Ben. Reed stands over Ben and shakes his fist. Damn you to hell, you geological abomination. Reed's third grade teacher from before walks up, jeers at the bags of sand. <laughs> Ben's cigarette girl strap on and goes, Sand, Richards, you're disqualified from science contests for life. A magic competition doesn't start for another eight minutes. Spitting on Ben, he storms off. A black dude's all... Dr. Richards, that was the best use of pseudoscience I've ever seen. I'm Franklin Storm. I think I work for a place similar to NASA that doesn't have a name. He glances curiously at the bags of sand. He's all, uh, we put ours in bottles. Reads all, whoa. <laughs> he kicks bed and goes, looks like we just hit the big time, old buddy. Old man Storm has them driven to a place known as the city. Ben sticks his head and tongue out the car and goes, Look, Reed, buildings. You could fit one of these into our neighborhood <laughs> just by changing sizes. They see Paul Red signing autographs on a street corner. Reed shrieks, Changing sizes? That's not a superpower that equals box office success. Loser! He hurls a bag of sand out to plop onto Paul Red's foot. <laughs> when we told that, the tears running down Paul Red's cheek. 
Meanwhile, at nighttime, Johnny Storm revs his jet and nods over at a white person driving a hearse. He's all, let's do this, sucker. The light changes from yellow to red. The hearse makes a left. Johnny floors. Unfortunately, it's the brake. He calls his auto club and eventually gets back into the race, although with a different hearse. Johnny honks and passes the truck, screaming, I mean the hearse. <laughs> it was an ice cream truck. Changed it. He screams, ha ha, white man can't. He and his car blow up. Ten minutes later, he comes out of a hospital with his arm in a sling. The old black dude who thought Reed won the science fair is his dad, although the old man bears a greater resemblance to Sue. The dad's all, damn it, Johnny. You know how I feel about things moving fast unless there's subatomic particles being teleported to planet zero. Did you even win the race? It's not my fault. You're never there for me. Johnny, not being there is what being with your children can never be as a family, together as a coconut. Uh, can I drive us home? Let's taste that nurse fucking goddammit. Let's race that nurse here. I can totally take a moped. Damn it, Johnny. If I can't trust you with a $2,000 car, I'm going to trust you with a trillion-dollar piece of technology and a top-secret clearance in my career. Michael B. Jordan scowls, then mutters, Okay, but I ain't wearing no clothes. <laughs> Dinkus stands up and goes, Nice! <laughs> Tom's Meanwhile, Reed gets sick of Ben asking if they should go out and see the city and goes by himself to a library. He sees a hot blonde reading a book with headphones on. Uh, her, not the book. He's all... He sits across from her and talks to her loud so she looks up. Hey, what are you listening to? Maybe it's something I can pretend to like to sleep together. Right? Besides, takes her earplugs out. It goes, What the fuck are you listening to? A cortisone. I take it for my irritation. See, Tom, that was perfect. He yawns, takes a book away from Neil deGrasse Tyson behind him and goes... Hey, I love this one. It's about a captain named Kirk. He flies around with minorities and almost dies repeatedly. I sure wish there was a sequel. She's all, yeah, I read it cover to cover, except for the middle part, the pages. Reads all, hmm, I consider covers spoilers, so I burn them before I paid for the book. Sounds like you and I have nothing in common, except that one of us is super hot. But you're okay. She sighs and puts her headphones back on. He's all, <laughs> pretend the music's playing again, Tom. He's all, so what are you listening to? He yanks her headphones back out and says it again louder right into her ear. Finally, she's all, it's called music. I believe there's great power in musical notes. In fact, my thesis is on the discovery of exotic energy sources. He yawns, sticks her headphones back on her ears, taps his empty wrist, and bails. When he gets home, Ben's all, read where you've been. We're three hours late for our first day. Reads all, relax there, Hulk. We'll arrive when we arrive. It's not like we can fucking teleport or anything, you lunatic. They get to fake NASA. The black dude's all. Reed, this is my daughter, Jessica, uh, uh, something Mara. Sue, this is Victor Von Doom. I think he's a scientist also. Or a dictator. 
Christine looks at me and goes, Heard you blacked out the city and made a woman explode. Your science is pathetic. You're an idiot. Reads all. Oh, finally someone who gets me. Wait, are you a scientist? Wow, what a cool progressive way to beef up your 1960s origin. Now, actually, I just make boys... <laughs> actually, I just make you boys your costumes. You know, sewing. But I'm still kind of sassy. Plus, I listen to music. Dooms all. Well, well, well. The great Professor Richards has graced us with his brilliant presence. <laughs> He's a tough guy. A rebellious green cape wearing a steel mask. He walks on screen golf clapping. Reads all. Uh, I'm picking up a little sarcasm here, I think. Maybe not actually. I consider perceptivity effeminate, except in Sue here. Sarcasm? Why would you ever be getting that after all I have so much respect for the idiot who blacked out the entire city 68 times just to get bags of sand? <laughs> You almost destroyed our planet, you brain-dead asshole. Well, not the whole planet, probably. I'm just a beginner still. Oh, destroying Earth and humanity would be so unfortunate. <laughs> humanity would be so great, I can barely contain myself. <laughs> all, wow, Dr. Doom over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've already established that's my last name, for real. I changed it from Dr. Catastrophe, which is kind of hurting my medical practice. By the way, I'm Reed Richards. I'm supposed to be the smartest character in this. The old black dude's on Doom. Reed, doctor character, we need to stop meeting each other and start togethering our meet. Because my generation broke something. Whatever that is, you're all here to fix it. How's that coming? Reed's all, well, hold on there, old man. First, got to figure out what to call our supergroup here. Let's see, me, Ben, unfortunately, Doom, only known him for two seconds. Better he feels like a dorm mate. Old man here, we'll count Sue for now, just to be funny, so that's five of us so far. Michael B. Jordan shows up in his arm sling and goes, Sup, bitches? All I know how to do is weld and crash cars. Sue's all, how'd you get the sling? Racing again? Johnny's all, I don't know what you're talking about. For information, I was driving slow when this happened. Reed's all, hey, I could use a hand over here verbally abusing Ben. Doom scowls at Johnny and goes, this one doesn't do comebacks well. Yeah, especially for people who say I don't do comebacks well. Reads all. Actually, I don't really have anything for you right now. I was kidding before. They make a machine-making montage in the middle of it. Reed and Sue share an endless, we already met cute. Reads all. Thanks, Tom. Reads all. Hey, uh, Sue, whatever. Hey, what are you listening to? Never mind, I hate sound. By the way, since I'm the smartest scientist in the Marvel Universe, I anticipate nothing dumb will happen during tomorrow's experience, especially if I keep begging the machine not to blow up. If only I'd thought to chant that at the science fair. Fuck! Oh, well. I guess no use crying over spilled blood. Japan! Huh? What? Yeah, you don't have an accent. I don't have an accent? What, man? Oh he God. puts headphones in his ears, taps his wrist, and leaves. <laughs> The next day, the Air Force walks in. Reed snaps his fingers as Ben carries a monkey in a bikini with a ribbon that says Subject 69 on it and sets it on the stone altar. <laughs> a little barren for you, Tom. The black man's all, Gentlemen, today we learn questions we don't even have the answers to yet. 
He nods to Reed, who screams at Ben to push the fucking button already. Ben hits a button. As the monkey yawns, it's teleported to a CG cave. Ben hits the button again. There's another flash of light, and the test subject flickers back into view in the control center, except now it's the bikini model from the science fair. Reed's all, damn, that glitch again. But still, yay, we did it. He fist bumps Johnny's balls. The model sign language is, that CG looked like shit, but Reed throws his poop at her till she swings off screen. And Air Force Colonel's all, wow, a cave with nothing in it. Great work. You guys all get raises. We'll have Nazan here tomorrow to drop the paperwork. That's the last voice I can do. It sucks. Nazas will be in here tomorrow to drop the paperwork. They're our best accountants. Dr. Doom's all, ugh, NASA, what the fuck's next? The Coast Guard? Taco Bell? Because those are my votes. Johnny's all, okay, so who wants to come to my apartment and get baked and drunk? Reed's all, I don't know, I read fun fucks up brain cells, but sure. Hey, Ben, I can't really have fun when you're around. Why don't you go home and sleep, and if I get so drunk even talking to you sounds worthwhile, I'll call. Reed, Dr. Doom, Sue, and Johnny get drunk together, and stoned. Reed's all, man, this is fantastic, and there's four of us. Hmm. 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 Sue's all, well, good night. She leaves. Johnny's all, yeah, me too. I know I live here, but he walks out. Dr. Doom looks at Reed shyly and puts his hand on his leg. I thought those so-called twins would never leave, Reed. Through the window over his shoulder, Johnny hotwires a sports car, starts it up, and explodes. <laughs> As his body crawls out of the fire wreckage, he's all, Use an arm sling! Reed snaps his fingers. That's it! We'll break into the facility and go teleport ourselves right now! That'll show NASA we can be trusted. He calls Ben and goes, Hey, fuckwad, get down to whatever, wherever we work at, it's called. We're gonna go to that monkey cave once and for all to prove that we're, uh... The best at looking at CG. I'm not going without you, so get down there. I'm going without you. Ben's all, uh, Sue coming? Fuck no. Pretty sure the CG zone can only be visited by four people at a time, and no dames. Ten minutes later, they all pile out of the teleportation machine and stare around at Planet Zero. The grand sight of Planet Zero. Reads all, wow, here we are. The first hominids ever to go to another dimension. The monkey rolls its eyes from some tree branches. Reed plants a flag on the sludge. As it catches fire and starts sinking, Reed's all, I hereby claim this dimension in the name of... Iran? Damn it, Ben, I told you a U.S. flag. What's the difference? Dr. Doom plants a black flag with a picture of a metal gauntlet wearing a green cape and goes, I claim Reed's flag in the name of Latveria. Reed's all, guys, look, there's more CG over there. Let's go stare at it. Johnny, you want to come or stay here and uh, guard the rope? CG? Uh, fuck that shit. I'm staying here. Wait a second. I thought I was the hothead character. Hey, settle down. You're running my drunk. Doom, stinky, let's pop. They approach the shore of a purple CG sludge lake. Reed bends down and slurps some. He's all, hmm. Hey, Ben, come here and tell me if this tastes like Sue. Reed, let's get out of here. Quit being such a pussy. Vic, come here. Let's see if this stuff makes our pee taste funny. The lake gets annoyed by Reed and suddenly causes an earthquake. Reed's all, ah, look out, grabs Doom's arm and slings him into the lake. Reed's all, no, everybody run, except Johnny, obviously. He looks down to see Doom gripping his leg. Reed, help, we can work together. Reed kicks him in the face, pulls him out of the sludge, then shoves him back in again. And as he surfaces again, rolls a rock on top of him. Then Reed flails his arms and runs vaguely back towards the teleportation machine, screaming as the money, the monkey... (laughs) 
As the monkey points at them and cackles. Some words are all. One year of screen time later, a colonel goes, Dr. Storm, your daughter can make boxes disappear just by making her hands blue. Your son's on fire. And as you can see from this video, Ben Grimm can twist off the top part of a tank. Something we haven't been seen. Fuck. Something we haven't seen since Ang Lee's Hulk in 2003. Also, Victor Von Doom's mom keeps calling and asking where his son is. Uh, well, as for Johnny burning alive, I found arm slings helping weld faster. Uh, as for Sue, what? Uh, she makes bubbles out of CG. We're trying to find a military application for that, or just a use from in the plot, but shakes his head gravely. Doesn't look good, literally. Nothing in this whole movie. But our boys in Naaman say that based on the cave's strategic potential, we should call it Planet Zero. Planet G was a strong contender, but Battleship already grabbed that, so... Gentlemen, once we make another gate to Planet Zero, we'll not only have a gate to that world, but a gate to ours. Hopefully, this time nobody dies or gets superpowers. Now let's do this before something happens. Reed walks in. Don't worry, I'm here, but it wasn't easy. I had to use my superpowers to dodge bullets in the woods. Ben's all, you dodged bullets by stretching? Wouldn't that mean you were covering more air? Guys, please, this is not the time for boring foolishness. Hello, Sue. Guess you ratted me and my sweet-ass Star Trek password out to the feds because you're madly in love with me. She's all... She has the same voice. Actually, I thought there was a good chance of you getting shot. Also, why can't my name just be Invisible Character? Why is my gender relevant? Reads all. Okay, look, people, I have almost enough problems right now. If Planet Zero is visited again, it could destroy the universe or just make it look 3D. I've been still running tests on mice. Uh, Johnny's all, why can't we just use these powers to do something story-related? Sue's all, never. I will not be a tool. Tools have no place at NASA or fake NASA. Johnny's all. Also, why the human torch? Torches are sticks. Even in prehistoric times, people are all, let's just make a fire out of a bunch of these. How about the human flashlight? Or does that make me sound bald? A redneck in DJ, a redneck DJ in Atlanta is all. Yeah, shouldn't he be called the black human torch? And how, why is Kate Mare's hair longer in this movie than when I interviewed her? How's hair grow? And why'd she cut the toes shorter? They were hot. I'm an actress. It was for a role. I play a chameleon. The black guy walks up to Reed and goes, nice to see you again, son. Thank you for ruining my children's lives and costing the taxpayers billions. The tax fantastic, the fantastic four go back to the cave. Doom staggers towards them. He's greener now. He's all. I knew you'd come back. Reads all. Really? Why? I didn't want to. What have you been eating for a year? Uh, it's not enough that you want to ruin Earth. Now you want to ruin even this lovely planet Zero. Turn its sludge into. He shoves past them without killing them for some reason. He teleports back to the lab and wanders around the hallways, making people's heads explode via hand gestures. One of them's the black dude's head. Sue's all. Now? They all cradle Dr. Storm's head and try to look sad. He's all talking even slower. What the? He's all. No super. Oh, is for me, I guess. Reed, promise me that Sue... Don't worry, old man. I'll have sex with her. Cosby sold me some good shit. <laughs> promise me you'll let her be with someone cool. That reminds me. Doom. We can't let him return in peace to Planet Zero. 
As Doom waits for them to stop talking, reads all. Guys, Dr. Storm isn't here to make speeches, so it looks like I have to. Uh, we have to work together to huh. fix the mistake I made drunkenly a year ago. It's kind of like uh, I know what you did last summer, actually, minus the acting. Suzal, I have an idea. Oh, should you tell us what it is so we can – she runs off screen. Vortex flickers weakly to life. <laughs> then it drifts to the box office and demands a refund. <laughs> Dr. Doom explodes. The colonel walks out of the sludge lick and goes, well done, characters, but there's someone else who'd like to say thanks. He escorts them across the lake to the White House where the president's all, thanks. The colonel's all, now we'd like to offer you all jobs, any salary you want. Reads all, thanks, Mr. President. And Colonel, but we're going to go our own way to a building full of workers in lab coats that we're in charge of. The president's all, uh, actually, that's what we were going to offer, reads all. I said not interested, and nothing will come between the four of us, so don't even try to drive a wet. Hey, Reed, I like you. Ben, shut the fuck up. Now, Mr. President, if you'll excuse us, we have an appointment at our new Baxter building, which I hereby christen Central City. President Saul, okay, you want to take our teleportation machine? It's based on Victor Von Doom's old designs. It's way faster and energy neutral. Shh. Come on, gang. We have a railing to stand behind, surveying workers from. Just like the end of Avengers 2. They walk over to a railing and stand in a row for a few minutes. Reed Zoll. By the way, we should come up with a name for our supergroup again. How about just Reed? Johnny Zoll. How about the three people in the asshole orange piece of shit nobody wanted? Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> Benzel. Uh, fantastic. Reads all. Wait, say that again, even <laughs> though I heard it. Uh, fantastic. Not you, you vomit fossil. What Johnny said. Let's go with that. Now that we've said on our name, <laughs> let's nominate our leader. I vote for myself. I caused the accident because I drank too much. Dr. Doom crawls into view and rests. Do I get to vote? He explodes. <laughs> the thing fall. Well, Captain America leads the Avengers because he has the biggest heart. The human torches all. I say me. A, I could fucking kill all your asses in about half a second right now. Plus, maybe it's time we tried having a black dude in charge for once. The Atlanta DJ's all. What? Invisible girl's all. Well, I... Reads all. See, please, get some coffee there, would you? And no offense, but could you stay invisible when you come back? And inaudible? Thanks, honey tits. You're the fourth greatest, so it's all settled. I'm the leader. Three cheers for me. Or should I say four cheers, because I'll be cheering loudest. As of the U.S. Army, I'll look up, laugh politely, and begin clapping. I look over at Galactus and go, Four on zero doesn't seem very fair. He's all, speaking of raising the roof, check out this popcorn trick. Uh, let's see. Thank you, Rihanna! All right. Uh, what was the. You, you want some more Rihanna? A little bit. Uh, all right. Well, Kelly Wan insisted on a music cue. Tom, what do you think of Drake? Tom, what do you th- actually more importantly, how does Ant Man look to you right now? Um I I think they're kind of on par, actually. Ew, what? Tom They're both on. just well, okay, I, I should say how does it look about now? Um the, this Ant Man at least has the benefit of having some sense of structure. Uh Ant Man at least moves. I mean this thing was uh, a getting the band back together movie, and then one action sequence, and then it was done. At least Ant Man had, you know, it had a few ancillary characters it wanted to introduce. It had a few action sequences. Um, 
this is a movie that I, I rarely say this, but I feel like it could have benefited from some more helpful studio notes. Well, they came late. And I think it's like Josh Trank tweeted uh, indiscreetly that this would have been cool if they hadn't kicked me out of the – if they hadn't fired me basically. And then right. I took down the tweet the next day. But it's like if he did the first half and the studio did the second half, they both suck for different reasons. Like, And he – the last scene in Chronicle was not good. Like, there's a lot in Chronicle that sucks, too. Like, I think he was overrated always. Well, I think this is another instance of what Dingus has mentioned before, where the studio just wants to get uh, a young, malleable director who will pretty much do what they want, and they want to put him on a franchise. Uh, Which has worked in other cases. It's worked in other cases, but I think what we're missing here, uh, because this is a, this is uh, uh, not Sony, this is Fox, um, Dealing with the Marvel license, this shred of the Marvel license, the Fantastic Four <laughs> property that they've had for a while, uh, and it doesn't have, you know, Fox doesn't know how to whip it into shape the way that they have someone like, um, not Paul Fage, who's the guy Dingus over at Marvel, who's has up the Kevin Fage, right? Fage, Fage, whatever his name is. <laughs> they don't have someone like that who is kind of dictating what the studio wants, or like that Colin Trevorrow guy who did Jurassic World, right? Um, like. They apparently don't know how to manage this this fledgling director that they hired, who apparently has, I would guess from this movie, has no idea what he's doing. He's got very, he's got very little experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the writing sucks too. He directed two things before this: Chronicle, and then a, TV, a, a couple episodes of a TV series called The Kill Point. That's it. And and Disney thought they were going to have him do one of the Star Wars movies briefly. I don't know where the heck that comes from. Good job, guys. But I, I think they were just it. cribbing off of what Kevin Feige's doing. Right, as far as, like, yeah, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I mean, it seems like, like, Disney would know better than to hire an unproven quantity like this to do a Star Wars Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They obviously, at some point, realized, whoops, we made a terrible mistake, um, and backed out of that. Right. But one thing about this poor movie is, uh, it's just, everything is so arrayed against it. It is having the worst luck getting any sort of traction. All these stories about Josh Trank, which shouldn't have been out there, um, yeah. Got so much traction. Uh, this thing has just been one of those troubled productions Trench. that everybody knows about the troubles more than the movie or any marketing that's done for it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Fox for a while was thinking, okay, let's just go quiet. And even when they did that, uh, you know, stuff about Trank was getting out there and they were talking about how he trashed his rental property during the shoot. Um, yeah. He was supposed to be mean to Mara, too. Yeah, and there were there were reshoots that uh, I think the I don't know how reliable this is, but apparently Matthew Vaughn was was brought in to do some reshoots. Um, I don't know what part of this movie we watched Matthew Vaughn had anything to do with. I certainly can't tell. Um, so uh, just a, a huge troubled production all along. Um, well, I had no uh, idea about any of that stuff. I didn't. I knew about Josh Trank's troubles with uh, with Star Wars, but I had no idea there this much storm and drawn on this thing. Yeah. Well, even uh, you know, poor Miles Teller. There's, there's a great moment early on when a little kid uh, who has his model airplane baked <laughs> says to Miles Teller, "You're a dick." Which, if you've been following, there was this uh, Esquire interview with Miles Teller, where the whole intro to the interview is Miles Teller is a dick, um, <laughs> and he, you know, obviously didn't agree with that interpretation of the interview. Uh, he had his cast members tweet support saying he's not a dick. Um, but that's kind of the narrative that came out of this Esquire interview that Miles Teller is a dick, and that's a uh, line. Wait, what's he a dick based on? I didn't even read that one. 
What, what um, makes him thick? So, you know, these celebrity interviews are just uh, – they're cover stories to sell magazines that they coincide right. with the release of a movie. So this is just Esquire trying to sell magazines. They put Miles Teller on the cover. Um, and the interview – in a celebrity interview like this, the whole idea of the article – is the writer just hangs out with the celebrity for a, a day or an afternoon or whatever, right. and then writes an article to make the reader feel what it would be like to hang out with this guy. Um, <laughs> That's so now that works fine when you do it with like Charlize Theron or Chris Pratt, both of whom have done these these great interview things with Esquire, where you get a sense of what they're like, and you know you probably get that sense from watching them in movies. And Charlize Theron is a very gracious person. Chris Pratt is very charming and self-deprecating, and that comes through those interviews. Uh, Miles Teller, on the other hand, is well, I mean, I don't want to say he's a dick because that's a little bit reductionist, but he's a young guy who's got a career that's taking off, who I don't think really has much of a filter as far as what to say and what not to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the interview, it's it's basically him. It's nothing you couldn't glean from his persona if you've seen him in movies like 21 and Over or Spectacular Now, but it's basically him talking about stuff like – how, how much pot he smoked in, in, in college, and making a dick joke in front of the waitress. Um, he tells this really weird overshare story, um, which should have just been about the scars on his face, because he has a scarred face from a, a car accident he was in about 10 years ago. Um, and he should tell that. That should be a part of his narrative. It should be out there, I mean, because people wonder. And that's a cool thing to know about Miles Teller, and he should know that. But instead, he tells this story about how he got these injuries from the car wreck where his friend was driving. And because his medical bills were mounting, his insurance company sued his friend's insurance company. So Uh his friend comes to Miles Teller and says, you're raising my parents' medical insurance premiums, and I resent that. And so Miles Teller, this story becomes about how Miles Teller resents his friend. And why are you taking this question about these scars, which is a cool detail about your personality, and oversharing this insight into your petty psyche? Uh, uh, so the whole in- the interview opens with, I'm sitting here with Miles Teller wondering if he's a dick. And that's literally the opening line of the Esquire article. Uh, and it, it tries to sort of paint a relatively flattering picture of him. I mean, it, it, it's insight into his character. Um but he just doesn't really have a filter about what to say. Because these kind of interviews, by the way, are every bit of as much of a performance as being in a movie. Right, of course. That's and why. Think, yeah. And I think Miles Teller's just a little too young to, to realize that. And furthermore, by the way, uh, as has these really ill-conceived uh, – there's this photo shoot that goes with it where they use the, the lighting, his hair, his makeup, even his costumes, these settings to try to make him look like, like Brando or Paul Newman. Ugh. Which is really forced. I mean, he's trying to have this tough guy face, and he's flexing his bicep. Uh, he's wearing a wife beater or a leather jacket. And I understand Miles Teller's appeal, but and it is not that he is Brando or Paul Newman. Um, so the whole well, the whole uh, thing, I think, is just a misfire, uh, and it just piles on to the negative press this poor movie gets. I apologize for bringing that up. I feel dumb. Well, I think it's. I mean. So I, I, I'm fascinated with Miles Teller because I also just this week I hadn't seen it. I wish you guys had told me how good it was. I finally got I, around to seeing Whip. What? What are you talking about? I, I He's never seen it. Whiplash was good. You should have put it on your top ten list of the year or something, so uh-huh. I would at least have some inkling. You're right. We should have mentioned it at least once. That was rude of us. Right. I really apologize. It's hard for that to get people to watch it though. Like once they see it, they're in. 
like not, every it, well, it's not hard to get people enthusiastic because whenever I talk about it, I get super excited and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. But the subject matter doesn't make them want to say right. it, unfortunately. Oh, it's well, the thing with Whiplash, I think, too, is that um, – so Miles Teller is not a Newman or a Brando. He's, he's a little bit of a – at this point, and, and this has worked for him before in 21 and over. I think he's fantastic. He's got this young, nattering Vince Vaughn type of thing going. Um, but what's great about him in Whiplash uh, is that the movie, the performance, the setup, you know, what the director, uh, Damien Chazelle, captured in Whiplash is that stuff gets beat out of him by J.K. Simmons. You know, the movie right. is about him being cowed into submission by this other great actor who brings to bear years of experience and talent and focus and, and ferocity. Uh, and it's about Miles Teller playing this creatively inspired young man who is, is, is trying to bear up under this beating he receives. And it's, it's you know, the brilliance of it is that, that Damien Chazelle sets up this dynamic and he captures it beautifully in the movie. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a breakout performance. J.K. Simmons is fantastic. I would say that about him. But in Miles, Miles Teller, it's just a young, talented guy trying to hold his own against this, this hurricane, kind of. Uh, and it's fascinating to watch, and he's really good in it, but not because he's a Brandon or, 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 a, or a new. No, it's like a microcosm of the dynamic in the movie. Exactly. Like, James Simmons is just, like, wiping him out, and that's right. his character in the movie. Right. Um, so that's, and that's, again, by the way, another issue with this movie. This movie has no idea what to do with its, its Anybody, anything. Uh-huh. You know what? I remember when the 2005 Tim Story one came out, and it got really bad reviews, but it made a ton of money. It was a surprise hit commercially, and when they asked um, Tim Story like what he thought of the reviews, he was like, yeah, we made this movie for the fans, which is like, okay, so the best you could do creatively is targeting the least critical demographic, like people who have all things related to the product, whatever. But like, who's this movie for? Who? This isn't for the fans or the critics. This is for no one. Like, who? What movie was 2005? The Fantastic Four one, the other one with Justin. So Alba. when I guess 2006 during your opsis, you're like, do you think it was that late? That they re- no, that's early that they rebooted it after the 2005 one. That's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, but my guess was 2006. The movie actually came out in 2005. Well, after I said 2005, All so right. then I thought you were saying, oh, 2006. Is it the one from the next year? I actually don't mind this being rebooted. Like I don't mind bringing right. in a new no, film, no, yeah, new actors, a new script. Like I, I, I'm execution. not someone who feels that that's part of the problem here. Uh, I, I'm okay with Hollywood taking source material and trying to rework it and do different things with it, but I don't think there's anything here that shows any insight into the material. No, there's any create. There's, there's no creativity. They don't know what to do with the story, with the dialogue, or with they the actors. There, there are no. I mean, is it weird to you guys that there's one action sequence in this? Yeah, it's really no, weird. It's, and it's weird be- because it's the movie's a complete bore. Yeah, I mean the movie. I mean, I actually liked the kid stuff at the beginning. It, it seemed promising to me. I liked that early stuff. I liked the idea of those those kids working together and finding each other. There was sort of a stand by me vibe about that junkyard. And I mean, as, as cursory as it was, it, it, of course, Kelly, you know, it's not just some kid looking in the back of somebody's car for a a power adapter or whatever. It they're in a junkyard, and I, I kind of like that. I, but none of it ever pays off. But but I like that, and then the movie just falls apart and becomes this huge, drawn-out bore. And it's basically a family drama, and it's not really a superhero at all. 
And uh, it's a terrible family drama. These characters are terrible to each other. They're fucking pricks. Yeah, yeah when you say family, hate. when you say family drama, Dingus, I mean, I, I, obviously, I think that's what they're going for. And, and and oddly enough, my introduction to the Fantastic Four is Tobey Maguire's voiceover in the Ice Storm, where he plays a nerdy kid who reads Fantastic Four, and he talks about how they're like a family, and he's relating it to his own family. And that that's pretty much all I knew about Fantastic Four when I saw the Tim Story movie. Um, but for a movie about family dynamics, and you're right, that is what they should be going for. I mean, The Incredibles yeah. is this this is the Fantastic Four, basically. Uh, for a movie about family dynamics, where are the dynamics between these characters? Right. Well, it's, I don't think it's about the. Uh, you're right. The dynamics are totally thrown off, and and, and I mean, I really liked. I really liked. You know, I, I mean, I'm kind of partial to Kelly's weird voice for um, the Reggie Cathy for the uh, Reggie Cathy is the actor who plays yeah, well, do, the do know, Storm. Do we know him from, 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 from The Wire? I I really don't know him from anything. I just liked him. I mean, yeah, I, I liked the guy. And I like the idea of, of what's going on because I have a friend who has sort of a similar family dynamic with with uh, a, a, an adopted kid of one race and a, and a family of another race. And that's a really weird dynamic. It's really difficult to – and it's a real struggle, and there's a lot you can do with that. The movie doesn't do anything with that in particular. It just sort of drops it. Um, but I, th- I thought he had plenty of gravitas and – he was an interesting father figure, not only for those two kids, but he thought he saw all of these as their children. And I thought that was a it was a really cool way to start off. But the movie doesn't do a thing with it, and it pays off nothing. And it's well, and then it becomes a total bore. And I even know from the Tim Story Fantastic Four that there's supposed to be a tradition of you know Reed Richards and Sue Storm are supposed to be aren't they actually married or, or I didn't get yeah, any sense. Have a kid. I didn't get any sense of them having a relationship here. Uh, oh, yeah. No. And isn't there stuff about Johnny Storm is constantly giving grief to Ben Grimm, and there's this impact, yeah. playful antagonism between them? I didn't get any of that. Um, I mean, I guess Jamie Bell and Miles Teller, are supposed to, their characters are supposed to be really close friends, and yeah, I could see they were going for that. But Jamie Bell is, for all intents and purposes, gone once, oh, they, yeah. once they mutate. Like, he becomes CG, and it's not even his voice anymore. Like it's like they they wrapped Jamie Bell after the origin stuff, and they're like, okay, you can go home. We'll have some CG and a gravelly voice stand in for you. Boy, did they waste him! Because when I found out he was cast at first, I was like, that's weird. But then I thought, well, that might be interesting because you know, unlike Michael Chiklis, he doesn't look like the thing. Right. right. But but then Jamie Bell shows up, and he's kind of a tough kid. And then when we go back to him seven years later or whatever, he's a tougher he's a tougher kid. He's like River Phoenix and Stand by Me, but a few years later, and he's he's pretty fit and everything. He's not this wimpy little kid who turns into the thing, which was what what which was what I was hoping for. But he j- just disappears, and I can't even understand why they brought him on the mission. That whole thing just I, I don't get any of it. Why, yeah. why, why Sue, why Sue is excluded from it? Why she's excluded from any of that stuff doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Because even in the 2005 one, they do this thing. I can't believe I know. I'll remember all this stuff where, where uh, Michael Chiklis is frustrated because he wants to be with his wife and right, he can't right. because he's this creepy looking thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Blind sculptress. And by the way, Tom Reed and Sue's do- uh, son's name is Franklin, so that's why the grandpa, old man's name is Franklin Storm. I'm curious, Kelly Wan, maybe you can answer this. Who, why is, I know they're in something called the Baxter Building. What's the significant, what's a Baxter Building? Why is it a Baxter Building? Who's Baxter? That's where they work. Uh, I don't know who Baxter okay, is. Willie Lumpkins, the mailman, and he looks like Stanley. 
Um, but I don't know what Central City is. I think that's from after my time. Okay. Well, the one but there's like do... a fantastic car. There's like a flying car that he makes called. The oh, oh, I know that from a video game. Right. Yeah, I've I've, fl- I've flown the fantastic car or whatever it's called. Sure. Yeah. And I remember really liking there was a streak. Ask Kiernan about the Stingus if uh, he read the Scroll Aging Ray saga. Oh, Scroll are from Fantastic Four, aren't they? Yeah, it's Kree Scroll. That's where they come from. And so is Galactus. Like, there's a lot of good shit in it, and it's really cosmic. And I don't know. I always thought it was like an underrated comic. But um, I'm sorry, Dingus, what were you going to say? I just wanted to tell Tom about the Aging Ray. What I was going to say is that one of the things I remember from the first one is that. Um, there seems to always be a billionaire in these movies who's doing everything and financing everything. And then there's the Reed Institute that's this beautiful, huge area. And and Dr. Doom or whatever, Victor Von Doom has financed this huge space expedition. It's beautiful and it's huge. And it's a billionaire. It's always a billionaire like Tony Stark. A billionaire. There's a billionaire involved. And here, all the characters are rather penniless and they have to rely on the government or the military or on some private foundation to actually fund them. So I like that one of them wasn't a billionaire and we can just rely on that guy to have some private gigantic building that we can all go to and have huge technology. They're all beholden to somebody. And I do like that aspect of it because I, I know I thought from the first one, there was some aspect of, of like Reed having this huge building that, had Reed Enterprises or something. I don't know. Um, Baxter Building. What did you say? It was called the Baxter Building. Yeah, that's why I was wondering who Baxter is, if there was a patron for them or something that that we had his name, but he wasn't in the movie. I I don't know. But I did like that aspect of them all being – like Reed has to have a scholarship. Uh, Jamie Bell is in a junkyard somewhere. Sue is the daughter of Franklin who is beholden to whatever people that he can get to get grants to him basically. And Michael B. Jordan is his son who has to deal with that as well. So, I mean, I, I like that there's, there's no billionaire controlling all of them. And even Dr. Doom or Victor is this, this guy who has a lot of abilities, but he's just off in a cage somewhere like at the beginning of, uh, Iron Man 2, when Mickey Rourke is in some dark room making things. I can't believe we're, we're supposed to take seriously the fact that w- this guy's name is Victor Von Doom. Doom seriously? Yeah. And then they joke about it in the movie, like, all right, Dr. Doom. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And his name is, he has Von in his name, but he's never a European, like, Slovakian. They did mention there's a piece of paperwork that they show early on where you can see that he's a student from Latveria, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. There is that. Like, that definitely caught my eye, because, again, from video games, I know that Dr. Doom is from Latveria. I've played one where you go fight in Latveria, whatever. Um, right. so my, they, make, they make an Adolf joke, and he, and he says, I was never German. Oh, right, yep. Exactly. Or I'm still not German. Yeah. Uh, Reed's his college roommate. And by the way, getting back to Dingus's point, I think in the comics, like, Reed is a billionaire because he's, for obvious reasons, and then he invite, he offers Spider-Man a job working for him. It's like, dude, you're a genius. Come on. And then Spider-Man's like, no, I like making jack shit. Well, what I was expecting when, when Reed runs off for a year and hides somewhere. <laughs> dude, what's up with that shit? What the fuck? Like the, the last movie where somebody appears to hide in Cuba for a while. Pointless. Pointless. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was expecting, I was expecting the reveal to be he has this, um, he's amassed this enormous fortune because of his amazing brain, but instead he's just like fixing cash registers. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's the takeaway. Wait, you like that? I didn't understand that. Yeah, I liked it. 
for me, skipping that that one year later title card is one of the I think the most egregious mistakes in this movie. Yeah, is that this is when we should see interesting things about them developing and using right. their powers. But the oh, movie's like, nope, we're going to skip all that. We're just going to go to this indeterminate time after all that is done. And we're now going to do a getting the band back together sequence. What's the point? Well, I, I do agree with you that, that that's the most interesting stuff to see. But but usually what happens is the billionaire brings them all to his complex and they train there. We see a montage of them training, and it, it's the billionaire getting to train them. But instead, what has happened is this time has lapsed. They've trained under the government or on their own. Who knows how? And, I, I mean, what I like is that it it's not this billionaire pulling them all into one complex to train them. Well, another reason, well, and, too, that... Oh, go ahead, Kelly Wand. Well, just none of them are mad about it. Like, they lost Victor, who was <laughs> supposedly their friend. No one's pissed off at Reed, per se. Like, and Sue's like, oh, yeah, superpowers. Like, they just don't give a shit, really. Johnny's walking around hallways on fire. Like, they well, don't even talk the whole, about the whole premise of them doing this because they got drunk and decided to... Yeah. They, and bought into this... They would all got fired. <laughs> Right, they bought into this idea that they came up with the technology. They should therefore do the the moonwalk, as it were. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. What scientist feels that way? Yeah, doesn't understand that I've created something and I need the best possible resources to further research it. I mean, science is all about these incremental steps. Not, yeah. hey, I invented it. I should be the one getting the glory and doing all the cool stuff, even if I'm not qualified. You know, I have never heard of a rocket scientist who worked on the Apollo program who thought that he or she should be the guy to walk on the moon. Right, right. right. It's just not how that works. Um, no. And that but just felt center. so contrived and, and ridiculous. Um, well, and then when they get to the negative zone, I mean planet zero, and then Reed's like, he like basically makes Ben come. And got, like, come on, come on, you got to come with me. Come on, I'm right. drunk, let's go. And then it's like, to do what? Like, why does Ben even need to be there? And then it's like, why well, even Sue behind? Why, is, why isn't yeah, Sue involved in all of this? Right, why isn't right, Sue in the drinking right. scene? Why isn't Sue in this thing? She's it's, like, it's so insulting not having her involved. I know. That's what I was gonna get to. Tom is like, how did, would you like how the how the woman character is oh, treated? Especially I, if there's this I idea. I fucking that, hated that. I don't understand why Sue is totally disregarded. Well, there's this idea, too, that if they're supposed to be romantically involved and they, they introduce this idea that Victor Von Doom is in love with her and is jealous and that goes nowhere. Right. So it's kind of like the movie has these hooks to give her an interesting place in the narrative and then completely forgets about that. Yeah. Right. And instead, right. it's just going to leave her home but have her conveniently present when the dark matter or whatever bleeds through the portal whatever that was right um like jessica alba was reviled for being the invisible like oh she ruined the movie like she was the worst one like i just remember all that like she just got totally hassled constantly like hey she doesn't have blonde hair why do you want to see if she's invisible it's dumb and it's like at least in that movie like she was she seemed like part of the group kind of <laughs> and at least when she uses her powers in that movie she doesn't her direction isn't after you use your powers you're really tired i mean that seems to be yeah the main direction for uh, I keep wanting to say Rooney Mara. It's not her. Kate Mara. Um, Mara. Your main direction is after you use your powers, just always really be tired. Dingus, that's how it works for the Scarlet Witch. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, be tired. Yeah, and and then Johnny goes, "Oh, you keeping your balance better? Like, okay, he can fly effortlessly because he's <laughs> dude. He's the dude. But she can barely stand when she uses. Yeah. Her. Oh, yeah. good for a girl. Right. You." You're not Wait. falling over, flying. Here's another reason that I thought briefly was going to be like, okay, I like the direction this is going, uh, and I could see the connection with Chronicle. But again, that one year later title card kills anything that could have been done with this. Um, 
So there's this idea in Chronicle that when they get this power from this meteorite, which is very fantastic for a very superhero thing, and Chronicle was kind of playing with that, um, there's this idea that one of the guys gets carried away with it, and it becomes kind of like a horror movie. Um, So here there's this idea where they're playing with this horror movie concept of they come back, and Miles Teller is strapped down on the table with his limbs all stretched and looking grotesque. Um, There's this idea that, that... that Johnny Storm is like lying there on the table burning constantly. Right, right. You wonder like, does that hurt? Yeah. That looks scary. Um, certainly the stuff with Ben Grimm. Um, there's this idea like it briefly, it isn't this idea that, hey, you get superpowers and it's exhilarating and fun and we let's swing around the city. There's this idea that, holy crap, that would be, that would scare the hell out of someone. Right. Uh, uh. Especially if it's before they've learned to control it. Do they really know how it works or what it does? Uh, so I love this brief like horror movie shots of these people suffering before they understood the powers uh but then you know one year later everything's fine yeah especially that stuff with uh with uh, michael b jordan where where you're just seeing him sit up and and, and the way his yeah. mouth is working and you're just wondering is he in agony or not and yeah. are you going to explore that Right, right. It uh, looks like a demon or something too. Yeah, it's freaky looking. Yeah. There's only one, one, one tiny nod to that when uh, when Miles Teller asks uh, Jamie Bell, "Does it hurt?" And, he, and yeah, he, yeah. And he says, "I've learned to deal with it." Right. Well, I, w- I want to hear how uh, how Michael B. Jordan's character was when he was on fire for all of those, however that year, however many however many days, when he was constantly inflamed and not able to deal with it, what was that like for him psychologically? What is that? I mean, there's so much to plumb there. Thanks, Josh Trank. Yeah, thanks a lot. And then Naz's like to Wedge. Why do you keep saying Naz? Uh, That one guy. The gum chewer. Tim Blake Nelson. Naz, you know, gum chewer. Naz, thank you. It doesn't have an E, it has an S. So then he... He's all, what the fuck, dude? And then uh, Dr. Storm's all, I need to know if they're alive. I wasn't here, by the way. Like, he's making excuses, like, kind of hanging about to drive. And, like, wasn't here. Get what do you expect me to do? I, it's not like I hired all of them. It's not all me. Kelly, one, did you get the bit when they're talking about uh, Jules Verne, about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, when Kate Mara is like, who is – or no. She calls him Nemo, and doesn't he say, who is that? Like, does he not know – what if that was his favorite? Who are you talking about when you say he? Someone doesn't know uh, who's calling who Captain Nemo. There's that, that little meat cute that they have. Right. The library. Right, right. She calls him Captain Nemo, right? Well, he, yeah. he, he that's his hacker name, apparently. Oh, and does she right. not know who it is? Like, one of them has to have 20,000 leagues, has to have Captain Nemo explained to them. Am I correct? Well, well, he says that I really like this this book because he picked up <laughs> their scientific books and he shows it to her and she goes, "I know what that is." Doesn't someone have to say to someone else? Because I wrote this in my note. Nemo went deeper than anyone else in history. Yeah, I think he's telling her that he's mansplaining okay. twenty thousand leagues to her. Okay, which by the way, is how- correct. Twenty thousand leagues is not the vertical depth that right. Captain Nemo went. It's the horizontal depth he travels while he's under the sea. Right. So when Miles Teller says. Nemo went deeper than anyone else in history. I think that is Josh Trank having no idea. Twenty thousand leagues under the sea. It's not about someone who went twenty thousand leagues straight down under the sea. It's not a depth record, Josh Trank. <laughs> it's not That's called. Like fa- it's not called twenty thousand fathoms. Yeah, it's, it's not called into the earth uh, in eighty days. <laughs> right. Right. 
can believe that. I mean, if you're going to make a Jules Verne reference, at least have read the story. And if you can't do that, at least understand the significance of the title. Uh, Remember in Tron Legacy when uh, – <laughs> No. Uh, I already went for this going, yes, Kelly Wand? He was looking at Jeff Bridges' library, and he's all, oh, Dostoevsky. <laughs> Is there a Dostoevsky reference in Tron Legacy? Wow. Yeah, I remember. It's the first thing I think of when I think of that movie. That's awesome. Because it just doesn't so, like that. My favorite bit of science in this movie is when the monkey comes back from the other dimension, and they just carry him off like it through the room. We're not going to quarantine this creature. We're not going to even test it at all. We're just going to carry him. Some dude's just going to carry him through. Hey, hey, everybody. Came back from another dimension. Everybody breathe the same air. And I'm not mistaken too. There's there's one shot of like the Earth in peril, right? Like they they Is go there? have this fight scene at a barren, distant planet, and right. we literally have that one shot of bits of pe- of the Earth being sucked in, right? Like yeah. What are this? Wait, that's uh, what's happening? <laughs> I guess there's this idea. They do say, hey, he's opened a black hole. It's going to suck the Earth in. I fr- I think that might have been the implication. Remember yeah. the part where it shows the graphic of Earth, and there's one that's exactly the same size. It's a zero under it. Like, here's this planet. Oh, right, yeah. Here's this planet. Exactly the same size. But all that made me think of, Tom, was that moment where the Avengers are are lifting an entire city up or whatever's happening. and Because and, there is just one crater in that one part of oh, Earth yes, right, where right. trees are being sucked up into the vacuum cleaner of planet zero. Right, right. Well, it made me think of how awesome, you know, how much mileage Michael Bay got out of something like that with with Age of Exti- Transformers: Age of Extinction. Oh yeah, you know, if you're gonna have something getting sucked into the sky. At least draw it out for a cool action sequence and show us all that destruction on the Earth side. Um, right, because on the Earth side, what we see is, and I loved this in in a way that I mean, I don't love this is what you see is these this highway automobiles being sucked up, but you. Very specifically, see humans running away from the automobile. Right, they've evacuated the, the car probably before it got sucked in. I guess because uh, they can understand the the dynamics of a black hole opening in the sky above them, and that we must leave our cars before that happens. So, Dingus, I want your help in terms of sounding out the uh, the, the demographic of ten year olds on this movie. So, your son really into superheroes, super ego to see most Marvel properties. You've had to watch several times the original Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer um, because of your son. He wants to watch it. Uh, I was expecting – and actually, I think you had even said when we were talking about what movies to do, you had said, well, I'm going to have to see Fantastic Four because of Kiernan. At some point in the last few weeks, that no longer became a necessity. Your son had pretty much zero interest in seeing this. Is that the case? And why did that happen? What what he said was – what I asked was, well, you know, we're going to have to see Fantastic Four. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see Fantastic Four for the podcast. So I know you're really excited about seeing it. So I'll take you to it. Um, do you want to see it? And he went. Mm. <laughs> now, is it because he had read the press about Miles Teller and Josh Trank? What what, what was going on there? Well, he had seen Whiplash, and he had also seen Birdman. Of course, he preferred Birdman, but he really liked Whiplash a lot. But he just didn't think Miles <laughs> Teller was suited. No. What happened was. I said, what, what, wait, what are you talking about? You don't want to see Fantastic Four? He said, no, I, I – whatever. I mean, wow. he, didn't, he didn't say, I don't want to see that. He said, whatever. And I said, what's going on? And he said, Chris Evans isn't in it. Oh. Oh, racist. And I went – yeah, well, my son's a racist. And I went, what do you mean? He, and he loved – you know, I, I showed him the, fa- the first two Fantastic Four movies, uh, telling him – 
these are pretty bad movies, but you, he was just loving the Marvel Universe. Now, you, this is not part of the quote-unquote Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, well, so explain this. So, Dingus, so it's Marvel has uh, – and, and Disney are the same parent company uh, – but they don't have the rights. Like like Fox has the Fantastic Four rights. Sony has the Spider-Man rights. Uh, so this is technically not part of what's called the Marvel – the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe? It's not. There's, because they there's, don't have the rights or what? It's Well, I think the, the legal reasons is that they don't have the rights, but they – They've found other ways to make it justified. Like Simon Kinsberg, for instance, talks about um, – uh, it's Kinberg, I guess, not Kinsberg. Um, I can't say you know, he wrote uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, and I think Brian Singer had talked about, well, at some point these two you know, these two groups, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, we could get them together. And Simon Kinberg said, well, no, the, the Fantastic Four is in a discrete universe um, because it's hard to believe that these they're these superheroes that exist, but mutants just weren't aware of the fact that oh superheroes are all also over here, and now we have to somehow meld mutants and superheroes. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the Fantastic Four I'm writing is part of a discrete universe. So they're trying to justify it this, from this idea that that this is its own universe and not a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the X-Men, though, are part of the MC, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? I think that, that, that the door is open for the X-Men to be a part of that. But I don't think the Fantastic Four is a part of that. And another recent announcement about this whole thing, which was uh, whatever accommodation was worked out between Sony and, and Disney slash Marvel, is that Spider-Man is, is uh, going to be part now right. of this universe. So they've got Spider-Man folded in. But not because, well, because those, those movies bombed. So maybe now Fantastic Four, they'll go, all right, well, you win. Like, ah, right, Kelly Wong. Investment yeah. rates because yeah. they're like, obviously, Marvel's it's we, they can't fight them, basically. Right, well, at this point, I mean, I so don't. I mean, I, I, I because, I'm exhausted. well, because I, oh, you think it's awesome, Kelly Wong? No, exhausted. I'm exhausted. Oh, exhausted. <laughs> right, right. She's the same way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like I don't, I don't care. Like as I, as we talked about during the Ant Man podcast, I think I'm not really into the whole Marvel thing. But if we have someone like Joss Whedon or Shane Black doing these movies, I want to see what they're doing. Um, so I'm in it more for the directors and couldn't care less about the negotiations between the characters. I mean, you know, who has what character and who can be right. what universe. I find it fascinating, um, but I it, it would not excite me. Like I couldn't care less if the Fantastic Four ever get to meet the X Men. Um, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get less if, if another fan – I would like them just to let that property lapse because I think that that the name Fantastic Four is silly. I think it the word is, isn't it? Yeah. Like the word fantastic hasn't really held up well. Like yeah. It's kind of a way to make someone – of someone who's, who's effeminate. Like, like right. fantastic doesn't yeah, – yeah. it's an odd – yeah, it's, it's dated. Oddly. Yeah, let's have the Fabulous Five happen. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Because when, when they try to make it so dramatic at the end and when, when Singh goes, it's fantastic, it's not a word anybody uses. Nobody right. says – It was the first one, so they didn't know what they were doing yet. Stanley's like, Fantastic. Well, it's, like, it's or, fascinating to read the history of of like Marvel going up and down, and then them finally coming. You know the, the way they 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 tried to shape, uh, you know, making superheroes more, um, you know, more real in certain ways, and and how they came up with the Fantastic Four, and how they were drawing for they decided to start drawing for adults and all that. I mean, that stuff is kind of fascinating to me, but. But Fantastic Four has never been an interesting property to me, and if they, if they die, who? gives a f i don't care 
Well, and I, I think, too, another goofy name for a group, and boy, did the movie know this, and boy, did the movie play with it well, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. my gosh, a raccoon and a tree, and they're called the Guardians of the Galaxy. That is stupid. Um, but the movie is so self-aware of it, and uh, James Gunn is perfect to sort of capitalize on it and use it without taking it too seriously. Like, he knows it yeah. sounds silly. Um and he worried about it. He's like, "Fuck!" I'm, he like he thought he might be making Fantastic Four, but he sweated over it, as opposed to Josh Trank. Who but they just, claim it at the end. At the end of that movie, they yeah. claim it. They're like, "This is our name. We claim yeah. this." At the end of this movie, they just sort of skirt around it the way they do in I don't know the what is it uh, Man of Steel, where they play around with never saying Superman. Oh, and that's another thing is you know Zack Snyder has this uh, Batman versus Superman thing coming out uh, next uh. March. Like that's another thing where I'm like, I don't care that you guys got all these guys. I mean, this yeah, this it seems to be so ridiculous. And Kelly Wan talks about being exhausted. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this idea of having to see a Batman Superman matchup. Is oh my god, is you know just because it worked so well when Joss Whedon did it, everybody's wanting to copy it now. I think I'm with Kiernan. Like I like the Marvel universe, but I'm sick of these movies. Like I can just read the the comics I like, but in the movies I'm sick of this. Just it's boring. Well, he, he's just loyal to certain things. I mean, he's ten, so he's loyal to certain things, and he loves Chris, Chris Evans. Chris Evans uh, was so great though as the Human Torch. Like Kiernan's he, right. Like they had a lot of fun with it, and he kind of made the movie. Like without he, him, it would have sucked. He's h- hilarious in the way that Ryan Reynolds is hilarious in other movies. He's got a real sense of sort of anarchy. He's goofy. He's got a sarcasm as much as that yeah. will allow him to. And you Kiernan found that hilarious. And then he goes on to – which is kind of a interesting cast against how he plays or how he has to play Captain America, who doesn't get right. to do a whole lot of humor. But he's got a good – he's still – you understand his comic sensibility within his deadpan abilities as far as the script is concerned. Right. And so Kiernan really – fell for him in um, Fantastic Four, and if he's not in this movie, it has nothing to do with... I mean, I talked to Michael B. Jordan, how much I liked him, because I think he's a great actor from watching Fruitvale Station, and I thought he was fine in Chronicle. But Kieran didn't care about that. He's just like Chris Evans isn't playing the human torch. Well, so. he just had a whiff. Because it's like, there's no fun in anything in this movie about the yeah. powers. Like and, There's just no good parts. And that's a problem. I think Michael Jordan... Yeah. Michael B. Jordan isn't any good in this, but he's – I don't know if it's because he's not given anything to do or he's just uh, not interesting. I don't know. I don't, the I don't, cast gets a free pass on this. Uh, okay. I disagree. I say, anyone, anyone's good in this because no one has anything to do, right. anything to work with, and I don't think anyone's really trying. Uh, I mean it really does have the, the stink of, of people who yes. kind of know they're in a crappy movie and yeah, yeah. they're just kind of waiting it out and hoping it yeah. blows over soon. Uh, they look depressed and miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. Like nobody's having fun. No. no. The first half of this movie, though, I was, I was kind of sitting with it. I was, I really liked the kid stuff, as I said earlier. And then I sat through that that earlier stuff with Miles Teller and Jamie Bell working together. But as soon as they went through the, to the other dimension, I was just off. Dingus, you know what that means? If that early stuff worked for you, I think it might be time for you to have to see the Goonies. <laughs> I don't have to. I already watched Super 8, so I think I've paid my dues. Uh, the thing could use Mr. Fantastic as a condom. One, two, three, love you. Do an over-under. Kelly why would you say that before we did our over-under, Kelly Wand? Your time is terrible. You know how much I didn't like this movie? I so didn't like this movie, I forgot to do an over-under. Is there an under I, the most I could come up with for under was Space Jam, and it was a tough call. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, gosh, okay. So real quick, yeah. So Kelly Wan, what are your overs and unders, real quick? My overs, Fantastic Four, two thousand five, because I agree with Kieran. Like, there's actually some. I think it's. I think it's funny. I think there's some good jokes that I actually get, and the Chris Evans scenes are worth it in the first one. So I would recommend watching the two thousand five Fantastic Four just to see, like, what this movie failed to even match. Because the whole idea was like, all right, we're going to improve on that stupid shit, and then <laughs> look what happens. Yeah. So that's my over and under Space, space Jam. Because I, I had Rise of the Silver Surfer, and then I thought, actually, even that's probably better than this. So I guess I would do for my over uh, Chronicle, because I like this idea of, hey, what if you got powers and it was kind of a horror movie? But then the under for that, what if you got superpowers and it was a horror movie? And I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I apologize. Uh I forget what this movie is called. It was found footage, um, but it's these guys who are like going around in Europe, uh, like backpacking around Europe, and they run into uh, a vampire, and one of them gets bit by a vampire and starts gradually turning into a vampire and getting vampire superpowers, uh, and it becomes a horror movie about how one of them in this found footage movie becomes a vampire. I apologize. I can't think of the name for it. It was terrible. It was found footage. What? It's Madame Bovary. Um, maybe. It might have been an adaptation of Madame Bovary. Yeah, so the found footage vampire movie is all I can think of. I watch so many crappy horror movies that I forget the names of. Maybe uh, that's the name of it. We'll just call it that uh, in lieu You can't of read the title in a mirror, so maybe you couldn't see I it. could try Googling, what's the found footage movie about a guy who turns into a vampire and see what comes up with that? But Diggis, why don't you give us your over-under real quick? Oh, yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right, for under, um, I, I kind of went with uh, movies that were more like family thriller drama movies. Um, I didn't really go with superhero kind of things, except, well, I kind of did. Because um, uh, the person I saw it with said, well, this isn't really a superhero movie. It's more just a weird family drama. Um, so for the under, I would choose The Family, which is that Luc Besson movie we saw. <laughs> Uh, and even though I didn't really like this particular uh, movie very much, I would put the family right under that. And for over, uh, this does have something to do with superheroes. I would choose Sky High. Um, oh. Oh. Which? Oh no! Wait, I'm thinking of Skylight or Skyland or what's the Sky? No, what's the the Special Effects Brothers did that movie? Skyline. Where Eric Special Eric, Effects Brothers? Skyline. Right. Skyline. Yeah. No, this is Sky High. This is a Kurt Russell movie, a uh, Disney movie uh, about a uh, superhero family um, that I, I really thought would be terrible and I avoided for a long time. But I ended up seeing it on a Disney cruise because that's what they were showing on the Megatron uh, monitor. And uh, my, my kid and I were splashing about in the pool and they're showing all, all these movies all the time. And I ended up being really kind of fascinated by Sky High. So Sky High is my over. So uh, I was able to – the first hit for – what's the found footage movie about a guy who turns into a vampire? Uh, the first hit was indeed the movie Afflicted. That's the name of it. So that is my under. The found footage dude turns into a vampire movie Afflicted. <laughs> and they do a whole thing where he can like have superpowers where he can jump and run up the sides of buildings and wee, but he's a vampire, so he has to drink blood. Does he say wee? Uh, I don't remember, but uh, probably not. It, it's more serious than that, Kelly Wand. So the, by the way, the guys – I didn't realize this. The guys who wrote and directed Afflicted, also the uh, the lead actors in it. Oh, that tends to speak volumes for when, hey, I'm going to write a movie and I'm going to direct it. And guess what? I'm going to be in it. Yeah. 
I was born to film myself climbing a mountain. Kelly Wan, speaking of filming yourself, what is this week's 3 by 3 Three best websites, um, which... Oh, so just any me. website. In that case, I'm going to change my answer. So we're just listing our favorite websites. Oh, cool. I'm going to choose quarter3.com. Here's my number one. Dingus stole my number one. My second yeah. favorite is, of course, Ashley Madison. I mean... Uh, <laughs> is that a porn? You're yeah, a porn. Ashley, yeah. Ashley Madison is a... Oh, no. I'm sorry. I meant to say Christian Mingle. That's my second <laughs> favorite. And then my third favorite is PerezHilton.com. Oh, man. Tom oh, Wink. Yeah. Order three is not on my top three. I just have dictionary.com. Um, what are you laughing about? Dictionary.com. That's so passe. At least go to like Merriam-Webster.com or something, Dingus. No, yeah. dictionary.com is really good in, in, at bringing everything together. And then I, I really, really like The Onion. I like The AV Club. Oh, good point. Onion, yeah. Onion, Dingus, I don't know if you know this, not real news. Uh, I have to disagree with you there. No, because when you try to link it on Facebook, they they put in a little uh, tag that says this is satire. Because well, I know that part's not satire. That's editorializing on Facebook's part. I know, right? Spoiler. I don't care for that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, why don't you be more specific? What is this week's website? Uh, I'm sorry, this week's three by three. This topic is three best websites in movies that we saw. So you these know, my understanding is real websites that appear in movies. Yeah, so my understanding no. was it was three best fake websites. Is that not the way it was expressed last week, or did I screw up? Well, no, Tom's right. It's three best fake websites. Oh, okay, that's what I meant. Based on well, I mean, if Facebook, shit. See, here's the thing. One of mine is sort of a real website. It's your topic. Yeah, Kelly Wan, you introduced this last week. You told us what we were going to do, and then you forgot and did something else? I think I said do whatever you want, because that's what I always say. Don't I? I'm I'm liberal. I'm a liberal uh, enforcer of topics. All right. Well, I'm displacing you as this week's 3x3 cop. You no longer have the job, and I am taking over. Kelly Wan, this has been a hostile takeover. Think of it as a, a, a kind of a coup, a military coup. I'm deposing you. Guess which, guess which faction I'm choosing. Yeah, So, and I'm also – Dingus is now on my side, and we're forming a new 3x3 government, and that 3x3 government is saying this week's topic is your favorite fake websites in movies. Is Central uh, City a website? I will be going last because I'm introducing next week's topic. No, no that means you'll be going first. I'll be going first, Yeah. So here's my number three. Um, Kelly Wan was asking about this movie earlier in the podcast. Uh, there's a new horror movie out called Dark Was the Night, which is a, <laughs> a, a, an intriguing title. You're like, wow, what is that about? I want to see it. Unfortunately, you, know, no, you probably don't want to see it. But here's the, the premise for Dark Was the Night. The premise is that Kevin Durand and Lucas Haas fight a Wendigo. Wow. Yeah, I know. Huh. Isn't that something you want to see? They're not dark, though. They're white, I thought. And so is the Wendigo. Um, the Wendigo, actually. So uh, you're, you're wor- as you're watching the movie, because it's a standard creature feature, you're thinking, are they ever going to show this thing? And when they finally show the thing, you kind of are like, oh, they shouldn't have showed the thing. Yeah, that yeah. that yeah. looks so a little adorable. No. Guys, go back and give me a different take on your Wendigo. This is not working. Um, <laughs> Wendigo. Did the Wendigo work for you in Wendigo? Yes, the Larry Fessenden movie, absolutely. So there's a great Larry Fessenden movie with a child actor whose name I forget uh, with uh, Stephen Weber. No, Jake Weber. 
uh, and Patricia Clarkson. I love the Larry Fessenden uh, Wendigo, uh, and especially what he does uh, when they have to show the Wendigo. This amazing like puppet work and these stealth stuff. Um, yeah, super cool. You know, yeah, but the Wendigo in Dark Was the Night is just a goofy CG lizard thing. Um, <laughs> but the cool thing, though, about Dark Was the Night is it takes a long time. It's a really slow, morose, kind of slow burn movie, which might not be the best choice for a creature slow feature. Um, but there's a lot of Kevin Duran in it, and Lucas Haas is his sidekick, and he's the sheriff in this small town. Lucas Haas is his, is his deputy, uh, and we love Kevin Duran in this uh, podcast. Nice. So. Uh, one of the things that he has to investigate is like cattle are getting slaughtered and things are going wrong in this town. And, and at one point, the Wendigo just drags its muddy feet print all through town. Uh, it doesn't care if people know it's around. So Kevin Duran <laughs> is having to look up uh, these like a honey badger. Yeah, he doesn't give a fnf. The fuck? Uh, well, Kevin Duran is having to look up hoof prints on the internet. So to look up hoof prints on the internet, and you always see this in movies. I love like what they have to do. You can't just have Google. Because Google is a, is a trademark, and you're going to have to, you know, work out a deal with Google to have Google in your movie. It's better to have a fake website. Um, but the funny thing, too, in all these movies is when you use your fake Google, the interface for, the, like, the search returns looks exactly like Google. Just to make <laughs> it clear for the viewers, this is a real search engine. You know, this is that's what he just did. He searched something. Um, so to investigate these hoof prints, Kevin Durand goes to searchitnow.com. Hmm. Uh, search it searchitnow.com yeah we specialize in hoofs it's all one word and they're all in capitals at the top of the page search sure. it now yeah. wait that's not a real one that sounds I actually so so Kelly I'm glad you asked because I did look search, for search for it. it now it is an Android app which is basically their take on like Google Maps so there's an Android app but the domain is available if you want to start your own search engine so get it, uh, get it while you can I'm going to have to overrule that that's allowable then. Oh, I'm afraid you are no longer in power as the 3x3 cop, so I, uh, I'm i not even going to pull over for you, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Wow. You're like not the elected. court stenographer overruling something. Yeah, nice try, Kelly Wand. Just keep pushing. <sighs> All right, so there's my number three. is searchitnow.com from Dark Was the Night. Dingus, what is your number three favorite uh, fake website in a movie? All right, my number three has the following quote in it. What the fuck is the internet? <laughs> now, is this, quote, is this quote something that you actually said? Is this a quote from the movie or from you while watching the movie? It's a quote from the movie. Um, the when, the, when the character is shown this particular website, the character says, what the fuck is the internet? Uh, the Oracle in the Matrix. It's actually from a movie I really had fun watching the first time I watched it, basically based on the person who made me watch it and when i tried to watch it again this week oh my god it is unbearable Ooh, was uh, fantastic four so, i hope it wasn't me yeah who made no, you watch this uh my friend yuri made me watch it many years ago um he he thought it was very funny and watching it together oh, can i guess can i guess dingus yeah go ahead is it a steven soderbergh movie no oh never mind sorry i have no guess it, it, is, it is a kevin smith movie called jay and silent bob strike back Oh, my God. And the um, actual website, uh, which I thought was funny at the time, but uh, very crass, the, the website is moviepoopshoot.com. That was just a take. Oh, my God. Yeah. Get it? That can't be anything. Cool. Well, that's kind of what sets the plot in motion in a way, if you want to call it a plot, is that uh, Jay, uh, who's this stoner, 
um, finds out that there's such a thing as the internet and that people are talking about them selling out their comic book identities in order so that Hollywood can make a comic book movie out of their blunt man and chronic comic books. Um, they sign these <laughs> off. <laughs> Isn't that before Santa Elizabeth comes in and gives them a huge boner? Yep. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he, and the boner shows up. I'm glad you remembered that, Kelly Wand. And then she um, goes, did I get free refills with that? Like, uh, yeah. Cause, uh, because Silent Bob puts a cup over his boner to hide it, and she asks if, he get, if they get She loves boner. But they go to see one of the cartoonists who's played by Ben Affleck, and uh, and they talk to him about what has happened to their uh, their property and who sold it and who's getting the money for it. And Ben Affleck goes, well, there's this there's this site called moviepoopshit.com on the Internet, and Jay says, what the fuck is the Internet? Which is a, a line that never fails to make me laugh, even though this movie is horrible. Um, and then Ben Affleck shows them what a message board is. And, and moviepoopshoot.com is basically Kevin Smith giving a, a, a middle finger to two places like anycool.news, or anycoolnews.com, whatever that is. He's grinding an axe, basically. Yeah, he's basically grinding an axe for the entire movie. And so it's it's this this fake website that he also created a real website to promote his movie called this, but it's created for the movie. So moviepoopshoot.com, the the icon of the website is, is a butt with film coming out of its anus. And <laughs> they end up tracking this down all across America, and they finally wind up to find one of the commenters whose name on the internet is Magnolia Fan, and then they beat him up at the end of the movie. So uh, is, this a st- is this still a real website? Comedy. You know, I... I I think it is still a website, but it just links basically is to promotion of Kevin okay. Smith's. Because if, if the three by three police didn't have their hands full watching Kelly Wand, who I think is going to try to pull a fast one, they might maybe give you a, a misdemeanor citation, Dingus, if it became no. a real web- website. No, I, I no. It, it, well, I would expect a warning, but okay. the thing was, it was created. It was probably created before the movie to promote the movie, but it's it's a fake website in the movie. There's kind of a recursive loop thing that happens when we try to talk about this, but moviepoopshoot.com was really just an anecdote. Quit saying the, the Earl thing. Just quit saying it. I've I apologize. It, 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 yeah. I, it's, it's kind of a Tourette's almost thing because yeah. I hate saying it. I hate even thinking about it, and I really don't like the movie. But when Kelly Wan talked about fake websites, I immediately thought of this. Speaking Wait, of, why does Tom want you to stop saying Because it sounds disgusting. Yeah. It's, Oh, and it's, of and it's absolutely a, it's, it's, it, you know, as much as I liked Kelly, uh, not Kelly, I'm sorry, Kelly, Kelly no, Smith. as much as I liked Kevin Smith, it, that kind of thing is just stupid. I mean, it's a stupid name. It, it's, I, I mean, I hate it. I hate the name for that website. I hate it even as a joke. It's not let's, even a funny joke. Let's talk briefly about what Kevin Smith has been up to. Who here has seen Tusk? Yeah, I have. Why did you see Tusk, Dingus? Because when I was making my list last year, I saw it at the end of the year to see if it would be any good. Because people thought it was <laughs> Dingus, great. You're the one person on this podcast who should never have to see Tusk. I agree with Tusk. you. I agree with you. Having seen it, I think it's – I no, I agree. Jesus, Dingus. I, oh, I'm sorry I didn't warn you off of that. Kelly Wan, you didn't see Tusk. You know what? Kelly Wan, you should probably see Tusk just to be a – you know, if you if you didn't regret seeing those stupid human centipede movies, you might enjoy seeing Tusk. They're like that. I mean, it's like those. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they have some, except without the cleverness of the first Human Centipede, which was defenestrated <laughs> in later movies. Um, 
Yeah, and Tusk, by the way, squanders hugely uh, Michael Parks. Like I, Michael Parks would be embarrassed to have been in, involved in Tusk. And even Justin Long, who can be good and stuff. Yeah, Justin Long was, was fine in that uh, that Gypsy. What was that, that Gypsy Carson movie, Kelly? Went, Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, like Justin uh, Long, I can as uh, – oh, that's right. He was in the Die Hard movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was in uh, Youth and Revolt. And he, he's so dedicated. To, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Yeah, Tusk He's really gonna, was also just an aggravating exercise. It, it, it was basically Kevin Smith on his stupid – I don't know if it's stupid – on his podcast. And, and Kevin Smith is a very talented guy. Yeah. Uh, he's clever. He's fun to listen to talk, and that's why I retract saying stupid podcast. Uh, but the reason I say stupid podcast is because Tusk was born out of a joke that he and his buddy were riffing on in the podcast um, that they then kind of as a dare made into a movie. That's how Human Centipede was generated. And and Human Centipede at least had some like some really kind of cool unsettling horror elements. The first one I think even had some interesting political subtext. Um, but there's nothing like that in Tusk, which is just so it's no it's, film. It's sort of mean to Canada for no reason, uh, and it's just really it's just distasteful that they, they, he wasted Michael Park's talent and time shooting that stupid thing. It just feels like a constant in-joke. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I mean, and I agree with you. It's I love hearing Kevin Smith talk. He does a, this uh, double series of movies called An Evening with Kevin Smith, where he, he does this tour where he's just appearing on stage like at college campuses and arenas right. and asking questions and talking. And the guy, he's so engaging. He's so yeah. interesting. He knows movies, and it's so enjoying to listen to him. I've read a couple of his books. I love hearing him talk. But when he does some of that stuff like that he does in Tusk, I just feel left out. Dingus, I wonder how Tusk was received by moviepoopshoot.com. Mm, we should check. Are you a Magnolia fan? <laughs> Kelly Wan, oh, it's time for you, you to get in here. Kelly Wan, why don't you give us your number three favorite example of a fake website from a movie? That's a, it's a website that's not real, like, say, Facebook, but a fake one in a movie. Hey, in Pixels, where they play Centipede in the trailer, what if they were playing Human Centipede? My number three is from the motion picture Shattered Glass. Uh, there's a site called for... Do you remember the name of the company? Because I do, but I'm curious if you guys remember it. Uh, I, it always the, stuck in my head. Yeah, the Earl is members.aol.jukedm.htm. Ah! So you wrote it down because that's my number one pick for How do you know that, website. Tom? Well, How I looked, you it, you I went back and looked it up. Yeah, I love Shattered Glass. So yeah. as the news is tightening around uh, the, the fake story that, that Stephen Glass, the, who's played by um, – is it Hayden Christensen? Christian Haydenson. It's Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. Uh, Hayden Christensen. As the, the news is tightening around him and he's going to be outed for falsifying a story, um, he, he fakes a website for this uh, – what he describes as a major software company who hires a hacker, um, and that's the basis of this fake story. And as people are trying to trace down his sources, he creates a Steve fake Sonic. website for Juked Micronics, which is the name. Yeah. And Juked is J-U-K-T. Juked. Juked yeah. Um, Remember the guy calls. Or and, the, and guy? The, the the website is you know he makes a fake website. This is what I think 1998 or something this happened. Yeah. It's literally just a page that he makes with the title and a little bit of text uh, that you know over a conference call where he's being questioned about his sources. They have to type in the the Earl for it and call it up and, and look up this website and it looks so pathetic. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, and it's just it, it's just like his lies that he's trying to spin out to get out from under this are equally pathetic. You know, this web, this fake website is just another lie. It's just as bad and implausible. Uh, yeah. And the reaction upon seeing the website, which comes from um, uh, T- Timothy Zahn. No. Steve Zahn or Rosario Zahn. Dawson. Steve Zahn's yes. Dawson's, uh... And Steve Zahn's reaction. Timothy Zahn. Steve Zahn's yeah. reaction upon seeing the uh, oh Timothy Zahn's the Star Wars writer yeah <laughs> ew uh, Steve Zahn's reaction upon seeing the website is he kind of quietly mutters this guy's toast like, <laughs> no that story is blown and then he and Rosario Dawson they both call the number on the website at the same time and they get a busy signal and they, they do it like three that, times that perceives the website that's the number that they're given oh wait is it from the website you might be right you might be right yeah uh, you might be right. But it's later on that they're doing the conference call. That's where he su- first susses out that something is really wrong here. Then they corner Stephen Glass to have the conference call with Peter Sarsgaard there. Uh, and that's where they call up the, the actual website. Which They also get a call from the website going, stop bothering juke micronics, <coughs> Mr. Uh, right, because he, he gives, yeah. yeah, he has the whole fake thing, and, and that's this, by the way, because it's on AOL, where anybody can go and make a fake website. The guy asks him, "Hey, why would a major software company put their website where only AOL members can access it instead of the rest of the internet?" Yeah, and he has no answer for that. No, man, I love that you guys picked this because I I really liked Shattered Glass so much, but I don't remember any of these details. And when Kelly mentioned it and Tom busted out with the URL, I. My brain kind of went, whoa. Yeah, Shattered Glass is worth seeing again. I mean, it's a great yeah. thriller for just watching Hayden Christensen. Stormguard. For watching him just completely fall apart. And, and while Peter Sarsgaard is, Sarsgaard. Is, is getting wise to what's going on, it's yeah. like one guy increasingly realizing something's wrong here and the other guy just getting more and more desperate. And there's this weird dynamic you get watching it where you feel sorry for him, but you also yeah. totally want him to get outed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's so weaselly. Like, I can't imagine who would ever see Shadow Glass and think, this is the guy who should play, you know, the future Darth Vader in, in his well, Rachel Bilson. Uh, well, does it make you think at all about the movie True Story? Um, not so much, because the dynamics in True Story is, is uh, the journalist getting duped. Um, hmm. the dynamic- yeah, I agree with that. The dynamic in Shattered, you haven't seen True Story. The dynamic in Shattered Glass is uh, the journalist just lying and getting called out. It's basically uh, about a snake oil salesman in a very competitive uh, profession, which thrives on peer review, uh, thinking he can get away with tricking everyone. Well, uh, start, well, True Story starts out with the journalist basically fudging a story. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, and but there, there's not so much wind up for him getting. Like it, it's basically just hit Jonah Hill's character introduction in True Story, oh, right, where right. Shattered would Glass would be carpet immediately. Okay, right, yeah, where Shattered Glass would be. What if you drew that out into a 90-minute movie with uh, some really sharp actors? Um, but it's you know it's it's Billy Ray who did Breach. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah. All right, so Kerry like, that's a great pick. It's like uh, I like it when mo- in movies where something's supposed to look cheap. Uh, as a big as a major story point, because it always goes against the grain of whoever they probably hired to do it. Like, I can make a really awesome website. Like, no, 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 it's got to look like shit right. so that this guy. Yeah. Right. All right. Fascinating All right. one. So, uh, no, it's a good one. I can't believe. I can't wait to hear the two fake websites that you think are even better than uh, members.aol.juke. Well, that was a real website. HTML. Uh, I love that you can just rattle that off. That's so exciting. 
Because it's, you know, yeah, the guy's like, why is this on AOL? Yeah. I love uh, that he came up with Juked as his fake name. For right, right. Yeah. Got it. It's so him. Yeah. Yeah. In Christensen's idea. All right, so my number two pick for a fake website. Kelly Wand, I blame you for this, but I went ahead and watched uh, Untraceable. I didn't see that. Starring Diane. Well, because I knew it was about this website where, where people get murdered. Uh, the, yeah. So the premise, uh, Untraceable, is a <laughs> That's my fault. It's this really dumb as dirt cyber thriller that was directed by Gregory Hoblet, who uh, oh, who yeah he so he did Primal That's... Fear, which basically discovered Edward Norton. Right? Did he uh, do Fallen? He might have done Fallen. I think he he's maybe not for like I don't yeah. Okay. Did I see this movie? He did a movie called Frequency about movie. Dennis Quaid talking across time What's on a that? radio. All right. Uh, but he did another. He did a movie I really liked with Anthony Hopkins and Ryan Gosling called Fracture, where uh, where Anthony Hopkins is well, there, it's it's a, it's a crime thriller thing where uh, Anthony Hopkins and Ryan Gosling are trying to outsmart each other. Um, but so so untraceable, uh, and untraceable. There's this uh, Diane Lane oh. plays a an FBI cyber crimes division <laughs> agent. And what this means is that she – and by the way, they have guns. Like when she goes to work, she has a gun. She sits in the FBI office late at night cruising uh, websites looking for uh, internet pirates. Um, and the opening, they establish – Pardon? With a gun? She's got a gun, yeah, on her hip while she is just sitting at the desk cruising websites and going to chat rooms. Uh, we meet her in the movie busting a website called uh, – TuneInThief.com, <laughs> where you give them your personal information to download music, and then they hack your account and they steal your money. So she's investigating this account. Uh, they trace the IP address, and they discover, wait a minute, this is a little old school teacher who would never do this to someone. Obviously, her IP address, her wireless account, or like her wireless connection, is being hacked by a neighbor. Let's see who lives next door to her. So they call up on the computer her next door neighbor, and sure enough, it's a computer savvy guy who uh, who has a license to own three guns. Like he's licensed, and the government, by the way, doesn't have this information. But they find <laughs> out, yeah, he has three guns and he's computer savvy. So she calls a SWAT team to bust into his house, and that's what? the opening of the movie. Uh, so anyway, what happens in the movie is this website called KillWithMe.com. Uh, Wait, that's a different one. No, neither of these is my pick. I'm going to show, tell you my pick for oh. Traceable later. So KillWithMe.com kidnaps people and sets them up in these elaborate torture kind of situations like from the movie Saw. And the more people that log into the website to see it, the faster that person gets killed. Um, so, for instance, oh. they set up one where uh, the, somebody gets kidnapped and he's tied up and uh, like letters are cut into his chest that say KillWithMe.com. And they slowly bleed because it's a superficial cut. But the more people who log into the website to watch, the more anticoagulant is injected into this guy and the faster he bleeds to death from these cuts. Um, there's another one where uh, a guy gets like uh, bolted down in cement and, and the more people who log in to see it, more sun lamps turn on and bake him. Uh, uh, that sounds good. I want to watch that. Well, you don't because watching, – like watching the sun – it's, it's really stupid. Like the whole point of the movie is to try to be some sort of social commentary on, um, on, on internet culture and computers, and it really wants to be dark like seven. 
Um, but it's just so dopey. Uh, Isn't the cement one from the Diane Lane movie Unfaithful? Or is that untraceable? I get those two mixed up. Uh, well, Unfaithful I really like. Like, Unfaithful is good. Uh, untraceable is I do too. Good. That's not my joke. Oh, God. sorry. No, the cement, I don't remember that scene from Unfaithful. Anyway, yeah. Kelly's was an unjoke. When she finally gets captured, her particular death thing is... Uh, the more people that log in, the faster she's going to get lowered, like she's strung up from the ceiling upside down. And the more people that log in to see th- her her on killwithme.com, the faster she gets lowered down into lawnmower blades. Oh, so it's, a, no, it's like Perils of Pauline. It's a race against time, though, while the sun guy's just getting fucked up. Well, hers is terrible, yeah, because that, like, that's like a gradual slow death, and hers, she's just supposed to get... She's just going to, like, instantly get chopped up. I mean, she obviously saves herself and kills the bad guy. It but... seems like that would be one where people would go, I'll just come back and watch the end part. <laughs> right, right. Just keep <laughs> joining everything. Is there some sort of visual representation for when people are clicking and how things are increasing? Yes. yes there like is a... pennies dropping on a scale or something? Well, there's a counter for the number of people who have logged in. And the, the faster it goes up into the millions, the more people are logging in. Uh, all right. And the whole, you know, the whole, the whole premise of this movie, what should be intriguing is – if you knew that this was real and not fake, would you log in? And the point of the movie is, yep, everyone's going to log in anyway because people suck. Um, I never log into that shit. I'm always scared. Well, I don't like those I, beheading videos and stuff. And that, that's the thing is they talk about like they specifically mention the Daniel Pearl beheading video, and right. that's kind of the culture that it's trying to address. But the movie is just so stupid and clumsy. So, what, what year is this? Oh gosh! I'm oh, sorry. Never mind. 2004 or something. It's probably about ten years old. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so the only saving grace of this movie, I find Colin Hanks really annoying, partly because uh, I really like the TV series Fargo, and I thought that the introduction, like his character, totally screws the pooch early on in Fargo and is responsible for all these terrible things that happen. But no, the stupid story has to redeem him in the end, and I didn't need that silliness. So I I find Colin Hanks very grating. So the reason to watch Untraceable is if you want to see Colin Hanks gradually uh, dissolved by acid, that's what happens to him in this movie. (laughs) So it's got that going for it. And at any rate, my favorite website from Untraceable, fake website, uh, while they're tracing down one of their clues about how to find something or other, uh, dissolvecolinwithme.com. Is that it? They what? Is the website called dissolvecolinwithme? Ah, that would be that would be a good. No, I would like that website. Uh, actually, I feel That's so. The movie is really really icky. I even feel stupid saying like it. it you know, they're, they're icky scenes like this, and and so his fate is he gets put in a tank of water, and the more people that log in, the more acid is mixed in with the water. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of gross and stupid, but I do find Colin Hanks annoying. Um, so at one point, they're investigating the lead, and they have to reference eBay. But like Google, you can't just put eBay on a, a screen, I guess. So their fake eBay website is called bidityours.com. What? Yeah, and they have to say that really quick as if it's as familiar as a thing like saying eBay. Like, yeah, he got it on bidityours.com. That's a weird choice. It really is. It's like they could have they could have made that anything. Yeah. Like, like auctionthis.com or something. But no, they go to bidityours.com. Yeah. But imagine oh, the thing. Stuck in my head forever. Now. Imagine the number of websites they probably 
probably went through. They probably did say uh, they probably did type in auction dot com and a, a bunch of others, and finally they landed on bid at yours. Stuck with the hours. or the opposite. I just went, just call it bid at yours. What like it was a studio note, right? Like it was maybe it was eBay or something. All right, so we Wong is going to watch Untraceable with Diane Lane. She is. So I mean, yeah, I, really, no kidding. Isn't she great? Did you ever see uh, Lady Beware? No. Should I? Is she in it? I mean, it makes me. I remember yeah. how weird we all felt thinking that you know Martha Kent was really hot in the Superman movie. That was kind of like. Hot. Did you ever see uh, what's the, the Big Town with Matt Dillon and her? No, I did not. Ah, uh, watch that. She's a. So here's a weird thing. Like I kind of like she's hot, but part of what I like is she's like. She's like one of those actresses who's just really aging gracefully and doesn't seem like she's yeah. trying to hide it or getting plastic surgery. Right. And I just find that just yeah. really incredibly attractive. Uh, yeah, I'm with oh, you. Oh, yeah. I'll do her at any age. I agree with you. She's a very talented woman. She's very gracious of you, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Dingus, what is your second favorite fake website that does not exist but you saw <laughs> in the movie? All right. Well, you don't actually see the website. You just hear a character talking about it in the early part of the movie. Um. And here's what the character says about the mo- the website. Uh, you're the weird one, man. Don't make me feel weird because I like porn. You're weird. You're the weird one for not liking porn. I'm normal as shit. I tell you what, I feel like Dingus was actually just talking normally and not quoting a movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't were... done the quote yet. I don't think I've seen this movie, Dingus. What was Curtis' favorite part of Birdman? Uh, the underwear. And, and then the boner at the end. All right, the site, the particular website, let's see if you can figure it out from the website. The website in this particular movie was a website called Vegtastic Voyage. Jeez. It's, it's almost as bad what? as poopshoot.com. It really is. I feel bad about this, but I remember, I remember this, and I searched. Oh. There it was. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. So this sounds like something that would be in, uh, like, uh, oh, who are the guys that Veggie Tales? did in, no, uh, like, like James Franco and Jonah Hill and that crew, um. You're close. Apatow. Not Apatow. Like, who did that put, that, that stupid post-apocalyptic thing with the end of times? So what was that called where James this Franco? This is the end. This is the end. Who did My that? Favorite. Uh, them. It sounds like something like from that crew. Am I right, Dingus? You're close, but think of the rich man's version of those two actors you just said. Your Highness. Danny McBride uh, and Will Ferrell. Pineapple um, Express. How about uh, Seth Rogen saying this line? Green Hornet. Uh, Knocked up? No. Zach and Mary? Funny people? Jesus, you guys. It's from Superbad. Oh, that, that uh, far ago. Okay. Yeah, this is 2007. It's directed by Greg Matola. Super so, bad is 2007. Wow, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So at the beginning of the movie, um, uh, it's not Seth Rogen. Good God, I, I apologize. It's Jonah Hill. It is a very young Jonah Hill. Yeah, it's Jonah Hill exactly. Oh. Um, Seth Rogen is playing the part that I don't like in the movie, uh, which I got sucked into. Oh, watching. remember when we didn't like Bill Hader either? That's right. That was Bill yeah. Hader when, before we really liked him from Skeleton Twins. Yeah. And I ended up being stuck watching some of those cops running around. But that first that scene with them in the convenience store with um, with McLovin is really kind of charming because McLovin is so good in the scene. Um, I can't remember that guy. I, Christopher I mean, Mintz Platt. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Mintz. Did you say Platt? Um, yeah. 
Uh, he's wow. so he's so charming and so scared and so freaked out by his ID and the way those cops are dealing with him. I wish they had just left the cops there. Um, I'm sorry that they dragged them through the rest of the movie. But that early part with Jonah Hill and um, – oh, God, I can't even remember his name. What, you forgetting Michael Sarah's name? Thank you, Michael Sarah. God, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stuck with uh, – I was stuck with an image of the other guy who's getting all this bad press for saying something bad at a Comic-Con recently. Um, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I, I got the two of them mis- mixed up, and I couldn't remember either of, the, either of their name. But I love watching that scene between the two of them where they're on the phone with each other. And, and Jonah Hill's character is telling him that if, if he has one website that he is going to subscribe to for the, next, for the upcoming year, and it's like thirteen ninety five per month, but there's so many things that you get access to, and he lists all of the things that you get access to on this website. But mainly the website is about, like, stopping by, and, uh, like, a girl walking down the street and, and paying her to come into the van and have sex with you. Uh, but the website has a lot of other things, and there's all this other perverse stuff. And Michael Sarah's character gets freaked out by, wait, peeing on people? That's what you're into? You're a total pervert. And then Jonah Hill gets mad at him and says, I'm not weird. You're weird. You don't like porn. You're the weird one. Um, and they say the name of the website is what? Vagtasticvoyages.com? It's called Vagtastic Voyage. And I'm choosing it even though I even though I think it's, it's kind of vile It sounds vile, but it's also just so ridiculous that I couldn't not choose it. Uh, so yeah, it's Vagtastic Voyage from Superbad. And things, did you verify it's not a real site? I didn't what happens when you um, Google Vagtastic Voyage super bad is that one of the things you get is top 10 fake movie websites and I never click on those because you know we have to come up with these without that help uh, but obviously this is a popular one but you also get something called uh, Vagtastic Girl part two on YouTube, and I didn't click on that either, because I didn't want to know what that was. Yeah, some things are better left unknown, Dingus. Did, you click, on, did you click on Vagtastic 4, by any chance? <laughs> Gary, what is your second favorite fake website, that is to say a website that doesn't exist in the real world, like for instance Facebook, that you've seen in a movie? Okay, I'm pretty sure this is a fake website, so therefore I'm probably right. My number two... Favorite fake website in a motion picture from the Academy is, um, and number two, my favorite is, um, in Hannibal, the FBI's 10 most wanted list is on a website and Osama bin Laden's on it. But then Hannibal like outranks him and it was like, fuck, that'd be so cool to get all that money. All right. Not a fake website, but thank you for playing. My favorite fake website overall, where that's my number one, is the Juked Micronics, you know, big software company everybody knows, website in Shattered Glass. So, Dingus, what is your favorite fake website in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Did you program her to flirt with me? Wait, there's no fake websites in Ex Machina. Yes, there is. Uh, It's called bluebook.com. Oh, oh, of course. It's a fake company, Dingus. That's a different thing. Uh. It isn't, actually, and I was nervous about that because I'd picked um, – for her, I'd picked that for corporate logos. But I remembered something about the website for uh, Ex Machina, and so I started trying to figure out 
whether that was actually shown as a website. And what I found when I was looking, when I was researching this, because I was really excited about this, um, because it is, Blue Book is a search engine, um, and there is this whole design element around the search engine. And there's this whole, uh, the company that actually designed the website for, um, for the movie is called Territory Studio. And they, they have this great, there's just this incredible, one of the things I really, you know, I, I have to admit to you, Kelly, I was pretty frustrated with this topic, uh, until I, um, uh, looked into the Deus Ex Machina stuff, because I was curious as to whether I could find anything there. I was really having a hard time with this. Um, but there, there's this whole design element aesthetic that they go through to figure out how we're going to make this bluebook.com website look like something that fits within the movie but isn't aping other websites like you know other search engines and and the, these designers this territory studio group they're they're the designers behind like the spaceship controls on Guardians of the Galaxy um, and the computers in Jupiter Ascending, for instance. Um, and, and they designed the website that Nathan makes billions of dollars, uh, makes his money on. Right. And you barely see it. I mean, you just kind of see it behind Caleb. Uh, I don't know that you actually ever see a full-on screen, but I'll put, I've got, I've got a, 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 this great picture of what the website looks like. Uh, and I'll, I'll put that up on the, on the, uh, on the thread that I'll put up for three by threes. But I loved reading about how these designers at this particular studio came up with making this website. And the talk of the search engine figures throughout the movie as, as Nathan talks to him uh, about, like, his proclivities and what his type is and how they, sh- they call data and what they take from people and what the website is actually doing um, to figure out how they're going to make or how he's going to make an AI. Well, the, so, basically the whole twist of the movie, I don't want to spoil too much, but the idea is that what if a, a, a search engine was an AI? Right. So, yeah, this idea this is great for a fake website. I think it's right. done. Even though you don't see it, I mean, that's the whole core of like the it's a it's a principle of the movie is yeah a search engine is an ai exactly so yeah ex machina all right kelly wand what do you have that tops that um was video drama website is that, so your number one pick is asking us whether video drone was a website no, I just wanted to see what you'd say. <laughs> I haven't seen. So when I did my uh, Cronenberg retrospective, I did not get around to Videodrome. I haven't seen it uh, forever. Yeah. It's actually a cable channel, but I thought ah. it would be a website now. Like there'd be a Videodrome channel. But my number one actually is even lamer than that. Um, it's uh, Death Race with Jason Statham, and it's basically just. You know, I thought the same thing you did about what was your second one? The one with the uh, Colin Hanks, Untraceable. Untraceable. Oh, so it it's was like it, bid it now, bid it yours dot com. Yeah, yeah, bid it yours. It's um, I think it was just called deathrace dot com, but it's like every time someone crashed, there'd be a cutaway to a views per second counter like skyrocketing by the millions, and I thought. Wait, so after someone crashes, then people <laughs> in huge numbers, like, guys, there was a crash, and then they click on it. And they're watching the replay. Well, that was part of the whole stupid thing with that, that remake was, you know, hey, what if we make it like an internet spectacle? Like, that's, 
you know, Joan Allen is in charge of this reality. Like it was trying to do like a reality TV show commentary type social issue thing with with Death Race, yeah. Well, the but Death Race two thousand did that, but like they'd uh, who was the guy David Carradine? He'd like run over old women, and then he'd get more points for it. Like, isn't that kind of a more pointed satire or something than just cutting to views per second? Everybody's watching. Like so people- I. I actually did watch Death Race 2000 a few months ago, um, and yeah, so they, they played with Death Race 2000 more. I mean, the media was very different then, but they would have the announcer at the at the starting line of each day, uh, and they would they would just show footage of the movie with no explanation for how this got filmed and right. it played on TV. But they're definitely implying that yeah, this is being broadcast over television, not live, of course, because that wasn't. Well, actually, not like in, in real time, like the feedback stuff with the Death Race remake. Um, but they were definitely implying the stuff in Death Race 2000, the original movie, is being broadcast to the nation. Yeah, which was the whole point. Because right. it seemed like, oh, you're just getting a bunch of points for an overall lady that no one sees. Right. No, it was like it. it was like the Olympics. It was like a, a game that people tuned in to watch and followed and cared about, and they had their favorite drivers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Why wasn't the old woman watching then? It might have saved her life. Um, so the only old woman bit I remember is where they drive by an old, uh, David Carradine's car drives by an old folks home and the old folks home has put out a bunch of old people in the road that they want to get rid of, <laughs> that they want to euthanize. The old people want to be euthanized or whatever. So they, they put do. a bunch of old people out. Yeah. They put all these old people in the road from the old folks home and David Carradine is, is coming along on the road. And you think, oh, he's going to run over him. But no, he veers off the road. And goes along the sidewalk and kills all of the the old home, uh, the old the the workers, no. like the healthcare workers, who had mm. put the old people there to see them get killed. Like he kills all the doctors and nurses instead. Did the old people cry? Like fuck! I don't remember. That's sad. That seems like a weird way to want to be euthanized. I don't think they're. Uh, well, there's even in, in Death Race 2000. There's a whole cult of people that worship like David Carradine's character, and they put out a martyr girl to be like killed like she's like the lottery road yeah yeah exactly it's like a lottery pick Uh, tom when you euthanize me can you do it the way lorraine gary euthanized the shark in jaws of revenge speaking of other movies i've watched recently man that was you watched that whole thing i I watched watched all all four jaws well three i didn't i've just seen jaws plenty of times but i I did think you know what it's time to rewatch jaws two three and four i'm going all in i did wait jaws four the four is four funny because oh, there's things yeah. about it that are funny when I think about it, but I remember just mostly being bored. Yeah, it's boring, strictly boring, not funny. Um, Michael Caine's not wet when he comes out of the seaplane. Uh, yeah, yeah, all that stuff I don't think is funny. It's just really lazy and dull. Yeah. All right, Kelly, what do the listeners have for us for uh, their favorite fake websites for movies? And my my guess, Kelly Wand, is that they will remember the topic is fake websites and not just websites and movies. Let's find out. Paul Weimer writes, 3 by 3 fake websites. Oh, interesting that he remembers it that way, huh? Hi, guys. Sorry I missed last week, but I'm putting my money where my mouth is with my website picks this time. Number three in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, the titular characters <laughs> along with their friend Holden. What? Holden is Affleck's ben, character? It's Ben Affleck, yeah. Oh, he doesn't play himself. That seems like bullshit. No, Check but they have, a, they have a moment where they say a joke about Goodwill Hunting, and all three of them look at the camera knowingly. Oh my god! Yeah, it's, it's a line about yeah, you, you show up in movies that your friends are making, and then they scowl at the camera. Tom, 
Jeez. Wow. Fourth wall bra. Going down in flames. Check out the status of the movie based on themselves at moviepoopshoot.com. A name that Tom found very offensive earlier. Very offensive. Not offensive, just disgusting. Movie poop shoot like that evokes an image to Tom. It's just disgusting to hear over and over again. Movie poop shoot. (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't seem to evoke any imagery for me at all. And I even remember the scene. It appears to be a ripoff of Ain't It Cool. Oh, that's the name. That actually has the same. Re- I have the same reaction saying those words that you. Ain't It Cool hurts my head. Steven. Karen, what if I say to you these words? Harry Knowles. Ew. That's what I'm saying. He's a. Dis- By the way, that Ain't It Cool, like that's a line from Broken Arrow, Tom. John Woo's John Travolta movie. And when Harry You're Knowles right. makes a website about movies, he's quoting Broken, Broken Arrow. Arrow. Yeah. For, oh, for 20 see, years of his life. I didn't even think of that. I can see John Travolta saying that. Ain't it cool? Ain't it cool? Yeah, he's got a cigarette. Cause, and he's saying, someone goes, you're crazy, John Travolta. And his response is, ain't it cool? And then Terry Knowles went, hey, that's pretty good. Ain't it cool? Guys, press junket. Back to Paul Weimer. With the raucous comment section. It's well, comment section. It's especially funny since Ben Affleck's character Holden makes fun of Ben Affleck for likely being in the production. Number two, in the net. <laughs> oh, that's the other one I could have watched. Yeah, I was thinking about watching it too, but I'd have to watch it. That's the problem. A hilariously dated film. Even the fact that it's called the net's funny to me. Like, get ready. It's gonna like it's scare. It's the scary. It's like pre-Matrix internet phobia. Sandra Bullock's Angela. Tom, remember she's a programmer in that movie. I, I don't, I've never seen the net. I've never seen Untraceable. Oh, I watched it for this for this topic, I watched Untraceable when I could have seen the net. Tom Dennis Miller's her friend in it. Oh, I was going to ask. Oh, you that. I wait, isn't he a therapist? Oh, He's wow. a therapist. Maybe I have seen the net. I said friend, but therapist no. is a friendly. I is there a therapist? I think she's a therapist her. in the net, and maybe I've seen it, or maybe I'm misremembering or thinking of something. Else. I can't remember if he's a traitor or not. Because of a disclosure. Well, what does Paul say about this? Let's have some input from Paul. I know. Why am I? Yeah. Uh, Angela has a browser window open on pizza.net at all times, seemingly <laughs> so she can get pizza delivery at will. Wait, that's pretty good. Pizza.net. She can just, she can just download pizzas. It's also got the name of the movie in the site. It's the net. Back then, that's cr- it was a crazy dream being able to order pizza online. I know. Who'd have thought? You'd have to use a computer for that. The graphic plus pizza is so hard to pizza takes so long to prepare and it's so hard to get it fast. You got to use the computer to get pizza. Like that's a tough one to nail down with just phone and paper. The graphics on the website look suitably '90s garish. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, our British listeners pretty. Articulate. Number one, an Internet six inter- <laughs> as opposed to that. Number one, an Interstate sixty. What? Tom? Wow. I don't see movies with based on freeway signs titles. So uh, real quick, so yeah, Sandra Bullock contacts the only other person she know who knows her by sight, psychiatrist and former lover Alan Champion like Dennis Miller. Wait, that's wow. his So I was right. He was a psychiatrist and I, I guess I have seen the net. Doctor Champion. 
Reed Richards. All right, so I'm sorry, Kelly, you, you were talking about the Audubon. Number one, in Interstate 60, MajorDecision.com is an eight-ball-like – oh, wait. I should have said Blue Fairy from AI. But anyway, throw Williams. is an eight-ball-like website that the indecisive and vacillating Neil, James Marsden, uses to decide things. <laughs> wait, indecisive and vacillating? I can't make up my mind between those two words. <laughs> uses to decide things. Why you, why, like you gotta, why you gotta take down Paul Weimer like that, Kelly Wan? I'm sorry, Paul Weimer. I, <laughs> I thought, I'm doing this for you. It's meant to be fun. You gotta, there's a little IMDB going on here. He uses to decide things like whether he should dress up for his lunch. <laughs> what this fucking movie about? Isn't this a Robert Zemeckis movie? What? Is it? Called Interstate 60? That's used cars. Oh, Majordecision.com is an eight-ball-like website that the indecisive and vacillating Neil uses to decide things like whether he should dress up for his lunch, <laughs> a very dressy affair, or to submit a painting for an art competition. Wait, that's an either-or. Do I dress up or paint something? I just like the idea of like looking at my lunch, like my chicken sandwich, and going, should I dress up for my lunch? Should I wear a tie for this? Is it a comedy, or is this like a... Yeah, it's... it's- it's Bob Gale who um the other guy the other Bob the, his co-writer yeah for, for Back to the Future yeah and he uh so Interstate 60 and it has Gary Oldman as this weird kind of like Hobbit type character and Michael J Fox is in it and yeah it's all what? a huge mess is it pre- this thank you Bob yeah it's an infamous mess of a movie that Bob Gale's like I'm gonna make my own movie now and he got a good cast for it and it just it's called like yeah Interstate 60 Tales of the Open Road and it's a really embarrassing Gary Oldman performance. Wait, is it before or after Back to the Future? I think it's after. 85? Maybe in the 90s or something. Oh, I thought you'd looked it up. and you just. I closed it, but I did briefly look it up. Yeah. I love the question, yeah. is it before or after Back to the Future? It's quite the question, Kelly Wand. Vacillating. The user, the user, vacillation.com. The user asks a question... And a ball goes through a mousetrap like conveyance with goofy sound effects before reaching yes or no. Best regards, Paul Weimer. Wow. I love, that. I love that Paul has put this on my radar because I have never heard of this. Dingus, do not watch Interstate 60. Kelly Wand, you should see Interstate 60. What? what? All I think of whenever I hear the word interstate is smash up on Interstate 5, which is one of those terrible old disaster movies. I remember that, yeah. You know, where the whole movie just leads up to a big car pileup. Instead, you could just watch Final Destination 2 and get your car pileup at the beginning of the movie. Mm, good point. Uh, I want to use MajorDecision.com to decide whether I should see Interstate 60. Let's see. Hold on. I'm typing it up now. I'm pressing the button. Goofy sound effects. The ball rolls down, and it says yes. Minority Report. Oh. Arthur Giovanna Jelly! Hey, uh, Ah, this is the movie I haven't seen still. I always keep meaning to. Um, her beautiful and written letters dot com is the site for which the main oh, yeah. character. Works. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that element. Yeah, you know who oh, else works for that Hansen. site? Scarlett Johansson. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Tom. <laughs> so in your wild oats. I'm not sure how the business model functions. 
Are the people who get the letters aware they're written by professionals? I like the letters Theodore writes, and I would buy the book that gets made. That's Arthur Trevelyan. Oh, that's, that's right. She, she makes a book out of it. That's yeah. beautiful. I, and that's a really good choice. I like that. Well, I was going to pick that. Yeah, you were. Instead, I went with Death Race. No, instead, you went with Hannibal. Video. Hannibal. You went with a television series. Jute. Let's focus on the positive. All right. That's it. That's what we got. All right. That's runners up for fake websites. Uh, the only runner-up I have is uh, in direct um, defiance to what Tom said about Google earlier, that you couldn't use Google as a fake website. Can you say something like that? Well, maybe you can, but I just always assume because it's a product and because you know, you, you've got to be careful about using products appearing in movies. Like It's funny watching movies from the 70s where people have like a breakfast table with actually named cereals and they're sitting yeah. there drinking a Coke and you can see Coca-Cola on the side of the can. Uh, like I think movies tend to be shy about using actual trademarked product names. Right, right, right. So, but you were saying, like Dingus, you saw you actually see Google in a movie. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if in some of them. Was it in, the internship? No, it's in Idiocracy. <laughs> it, it's in. It, oh shit! That's a great movie to raid from. Fuck, I saw. Um, and I and I tried to to mine from Idiocracy because I thought there's got to be some website stuff in that. Um, but the thing I found was that there's just like a placard of, that that says Google my Google, and it just means that uh, Google is part of the whole porn industry now. It's not just something oh, right, that you right. search for on. It's just it's it's I forget what the actual thing says, but it's it's Google with this is where you get your porn kind right, of thing. Right. See, Kaiwan, why didn't you think of that? Tom, there's some computer shit and what hot American summer first day camp. Good to know, but this is not a television podcast. Ooh, sick burn. Yeah, but it's got com- it's a computer related um, topic. All right, next week's uh, topic is this is going to be a nice, broad, easy one. You're not going to have to go digging through old movies looking. You're not going to. This isn't going to make you watch something like Untraceable or The Net. Suffice or to say, Jaws of Revenge. Yeah. Uh, next week, the three by three is your favorite mentor student relationships. Ah, good one. Like it. Oh, that's good. Yep, we uh, So uh, lots Are of options sure? there. I'm not taking anything off the table. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what I consider taking off the table. So tune in next week and you'll hear more about that. Uh, send your picks in to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. We'd love to read them on the air. Uh, and next week we will be seeing Man from Uncle. Here's a multiple choice quiz. Is the new Man from Uncle directed by Matthew Vaughn? Guy Ritchie or Josh Trank? I choose <laughs> the first choice, Matthew Vaughn. All right, Dingus thinks we're seeing a Matthew Vaughn movie next week. Let's find out how that goes. Oh no! When we actually see it. Um, it's actually Guy Ritchie. Um, Matthew Vaughn did Kingsman. He can't be that busy, Dingus. You know why I chose Matthew Vaughn? You said in an earlier podcast that he, that that was him. Who did Man from Uncle? You said that. Yeah. Well, I tricked you, didn't I? Yeah, you Kingsman totally trolled Uncle. me. You're a troll. No, this is a Guy Ritchie movie uh, starring Dingus' uh, favorite male actor, Henry Cav- 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 Cavill, whatever, the dude from The Immortals. And I, I, said, I said I thought Man from Uncle had Ed Helms in it. Uh, maybe it does. I don't know. I don't it has know Leona Helms, Leona. Yeah. Are, are Guy Ritchie and Ed Helms like normal collaborators? <laughs> no, but that was when, when I said that, you said, haha, Dingus doesn't know the Matthew Vaughn movie that's coming out. I didn't say that on the podcast, did I? I hope so. 
Then it doesn't count. Yeah, I don't know that I'm on record for for thinking this is a Matthew Vaughn thing. So I might have dodged that bullet. Uh-huh. The record. <laughs> All right, so join us for that next week. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Almonlaski. It's Christian Morowski. It's exactly what I just said. I don't know why you think you're correcting me. And uh, we had here Kelly Wand. Hey, were there any websites in Still Alice? I can't remember. Well, this is great, Tom. I just can't believe you guys didn't tell me to see Whiplash. It was so good. Why didn't you just, just let me down? We were busy Not my tempo, Kelly Wand. Not my tempo. Not my tempo. My apologies to the Neurospins. Not my tempo. It doesn't sound as powerful when I do it, by the way. Nothing does. Got my coat. Got my coat. Uh. Uh, hey, Dingus, let's uh, go to the negative zone and uh, make fun of Tom. There are no better minds than the minds in this room. <laughs> That's depressing. Because two of them are Johnny's and Ben's. No offense. Yeah, we need a Sue. Oh, yeah. Her uh, superpower was invisible. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs>